everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 236, but most importantly, welcome to Next Gen. We are here, people. You can see maybe over my shoulder, I got my Xbox Series X sitting there. Um, some interesting stories about my Next Gen consoles. Uh, as I said last week, I was supposed to get PlayStation 5 on Tuesday at 6 a.m. from Best Buy. Uh, it was Monday night. I hadn't heard from them. So I drove to the Best Buy and went in there and they were like, oh, we screwed up. Someone was supposed to tell you we're not going to give them out tomorrow morning. We're giving them out Thursday morning. So I get my PlayStation 5 tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. He's like, what time do you want? I'm like, what's the earliest you got? So I'll be picking it up tomorrow morning. Um, I think some people have got some of them shipped to him already. Matt, have you got your PS5 yet? Nope. No. So see you tomorrow. Okay. So it, I know that they, and even Microsoft put out a statement like earlier this week that was like, hey, if you get it early, it's fine to plug it in and play. We're not going to ban you guys or anything like that. But anyway, Next Gen is here. I have half of Next Gen right now, and we're definitely going to talk about it. Uh, we have a big show for you guys today. We're going to review Xbox Series X, and that's actually the first topic for today's show. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, some of you guys may have read my pre or watched my preval that I put out on Monday night to help you guys decide whether you wanted to buy it or not. I have continued playing. Matt is neck deep in it, and we're going to give you our impressions on today's show. Uh, before we get going, uh, if you're listening to this show on any podcast uh, service, could be Spotify, it could be iHeartRadio, it could be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and you want to support the show, you like the show, head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. You can give us a dollar a month. $100 a month, whatever you want, whatever you can afford. Uh, but we rely 100% on our patrons to keep the show going and everything else that we do here at Sifted. We really appreciate it. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Dinfire. If you want to find Matt, you can find him at mkyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. And if you want to find Sifted, and you should, because you'll get alerts for when our show's going live on Twitch, when we publish archives, you can find us at Sifted Games. And one more thing before we get going, we have giveaways today for the Q&A. We have two games that we're giving away. We're going to give away World of Warcraft Shadowlands, the brand new huge expansion to World of Warcraft. And we're also giving away Godfall for PC, uh, which is, <laughs> which is, I guess, a big PlayStation 5 launch game, kind of. Um, but it's it also is released for PC. We have a code for that. Uh, those are coming courtesy of Sifter Bakbi, B-A-C-B-I. Uh, he reached out to me. He's like, I got these codes. I just got a new gaming PC. I don't need them. Do you want to give them away? And that's what we're going to do. So you have to stick around until Q&A for that. Although I would say you might want to brush up on your Gearbox and your World of Warcraft trivia. Because we're going to do some trivia to give these codes away. Uh, but we'll get to that in Q&A. So with, with that, it's time to kick off episode 236 with something that only happens once every seven years pretty much now. And that is a brand new console launch, Xbox Series X and S, launched yesterday uh, across the globe. It's been inspiring watching everybody get their consoles and post their pictures on social media. Um, I did a little dance when mine showed up at the door. I got teased all day yesterday. Uh, the driver showed up who was supposed to have it, and he didn't have it. And then I watched him drive in circles around our neighborhood on a map. I, I was a mess. Like... I have definitely fallen into Generation 9 hype. I, When he finally delivered it, I danced across the living room. I was kind of like the N64 kid from those old viral videos. I am really, really excited for it. How, how has it hit you, Matt? I don't care. 
Really? Like, I, I have never been less excited for a console I've ever gotten. The, the Series X specifically? Series X. Series X okay. specifically. Yes. Okay. Um, it, sh you know, it showed up. The guy put it by the door, and I was like, cool. I went back and ate something, and then I came back and op <laughs> opened the box and took it inside. Um, and set it up, and that was it. Because here's, here's the thing: like, it's you know, I didn't really have anything I was going to play on it except like Assassin's Creed. And then I loaded it up, and like you know, and like had to set it up, and I was like, and and to this, this partially to their credit, but like it's the same fucking game system I already have. Like it, it's it even it imported my background wallpaper. It looks exactly the same as my Xbox One. Like it's it's just faster. Yeah. And so we'll like, look, we'll get into the details. We have something to run first. So like what you talk about all the time with like you know it's like getting that new console thing and exploring it. And da, 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 that's not here. It's all yeah. the same shit. So like which to, again is their plan? They want the Xbox ecosystem to be reliable. It's supposed to be like buying a new iPhone or new right because like all your stuff comes over. Over. It's just the same you thing you used to. It's yep. just more powerful. So, like, the, mm -hmm. you know, success. Like, that's what they're trying to do. But it's not like when you get like the Dreamcast or the the PS3 or something, and you're like looking through all the new stuff, and you're like, oh, that does that, or that looks like that, or the settings have this, or like, you know, like that's not here for me. Okay. So, um, so I mentioned last week that I was going to try to do a live unboxing for the show today. Well, that wasn't going to happen because once I got it, there was no way I was going to sit on it for a whole day and not use it. It's more important that I talk to you about the functionality of it for those of you who have not taken the plunge yet and are trying to figure out whether they should buy one. So I had to open it and I had to use it. And I think you'll be happy about that when we start talking about it. But I did not rob you guys of an unboxing. I did an unboxing yesterday pre-recorded but we're gonna run it right now. Hey everyone, I want to introduce you to my new friend. This is the Xbox Series X. This is my Xbox Series X. I am very, very excited for this. I got this and I had to wait to open it because I wanted to do it on camera for you guys. Uh, I would love to do this live on Game Face, but unfortunately with COVID, there's really no way to do it. So. I'm gonna pre-record it, we're gonna run it in the show, and then I'm gonna throw back to myself and Matt for our live impressions of our first couple days with Xbox Series X. So anyway, here it is, here's the box. It is very large. Um, it's so large that my head very, barely can peek out above the box in the frame of the shot for this segment. Uh, so it is huge. It also, it's heavy. Um, there's a lot of heft to this freaking thing. Uh, let's spin it around real quickly. Obviously there's the front one side and then on the back you got the master chief which <laughs> false advertising is coming eventually uh, and then here's the other side so with that we're ready to crack this sucker open and I am very 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 excited about this let's get to it all right so I already scouted this so I wouldn't fumble around trying to figure out how to open this thing so I'm just gonna flip it right over and you can see there are pieces of tape on both sides here and I brought a knife just to slice through this. I'm always very anal about this. Uh, I feel like if I go to resell it, I don't want, people are not gonna want the stickers just ripped off. So generally, I use one of these knives and I just slice right through. Although the tape on this one's pretty tough. So slice through there, slice through the other one. Oh, and there's some down here too. Slice through this one. Let's do that one nice and clean. Okay, let's see how this thing opens up now. We'll stand it back up. Okay, I can see, let's actually spin it around this way. So, it appears that we fold it open this, oh, I've got it upside down. Uh-oh, 
Well, there you go, live unboxing for sure. Okay, I think I got it now. So you sit it like this, and then you lift the top off, and there it is. Xbox Series X. I love how they put this little label on here. Power your dreams, that's their slogan for Series X. And it's pretty crazy, look at it, it's not that big. It's really not, this box is way bigger than the console, there's a lot of padding in there. Okay, let's pull this sucker out. Oh man, it's like a, oh my gosh, it's like a, holy crap, it's heavy. Oh my gosh, this thing, it's like a, it's like a lead brick. Okay, let me get this packaging out of the way here. This thing, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's literally feels like it's a brick, like it's made out of concrete or something like that. Um, so here we go. Again, move this packaging here. Let's see how this works. Um, yep, you just slide this sleeve off. I'm gonna stand it up to do that. Slide it off. And all that's left is a couple pieces of tape between me and my new friend. One here on the side. Sorry, I don't wanna take too long doing this stuff. And, ah, uh, there it is. My Xbox Series X. There it is from the front view. This thing, man, it's very, I'm surprised how little this is. I'll be perfectly honest with you. It is tiny. Um, compared to what I kind of saw in the scale, I saw in images, it's very small. Um, but it is very, very heavy. Like, you couldn't throw this with one arm more than like probably four or five feet, is my guess. Um, Here's one side, got the little Xbox logo there, so you guys can see it in the shot. Here's the back. Hopefully one day I'll have one of those crazy one terabyte expansions that I can plug in back here. Uh, it's got your HDMI, your ethernet, USBs, all that other stuff. And then here's the bottom. I guess when you're sitting the console flat, horizontal, this is the bottom, you can see the feet here. I'm actually gonna set it like that right now. there it is so you can see it is a little weird because there's this there's this foot thing here for when you stand it as a tower but when you're laying it sideways it's just this weird kind of blue disc on the side of your console see that a little weird anyway when you're sitting it horizontal this is how it goes and then all the ports are lined up perfectly here behind um, yeah and this end is the end that has the crazy grate with the green light once it is turned on. Okay, so that's the console. Uh, I'll stand it up like a tower. And now you can actually see kind of the green in the camera there. Let's start going through all the rest of the stuff that comes in this box here. Um, I'll spin this back around so you can see it. So this has a bunch of stuff in it. And then what else do we have down here? This is some kind of offer card. Yeah, it's probably, it's just a quick start guide. That's all it is. Um, let's take a look at what's inside this little box. Move the console over here. Okay, this is gonna be the controller. And I have not held one of these yet. The new stock Xbox controller, thanks to you guys. I have an awesome Xbox Elite Series 2 controller you guys got me for Christmas last year that I'm gonna be using for this, but 
Here's the new stock Xbox controller that you get with the unit. Let's do a quick test of this here a little bit. Feels good. It actually feels a lot like the Siri, <laughs> Elite Series controller, to be honest with you, especially the sticks. Yeah, feels pretty good. I won't know until I play it. Uh, the D-pad is, it looks like it's the same as the Elite controllers, but it's plastic. It's not made out of steel like the Elite ones, and it doesn't feel the same either. Not quite as clicky, which I actually may like, um, but it feels good. It's light, surprisingly light. And let's see what else is in here to round out the package. Uh, it looks like just a couple cables here, and we got the power cable which is great. There's no brick this time with Xbox. Very happy about that. And then they give you an HDMI cable, which I'm assuming is HDMI 2.1. I don't know why they would ship this without one, but at the same time, I wouldn't be too surprised if they did. And that is it. There are very few accoutrements in this. Um, in prior Xbox releases, you would get like um, like a headset, and it was cheap, but at least they give you one, but not anymore. They're following the Apple cycle. So there you go, Xbox Series X unboxing. All right, there you go. That's my Xbox Series X. Now back to myself and Matt live with Game Face. All right, so there you go. That's my official unboxing of Xbox Series X. Uh, Matt did mention to me while we were watching the video that uh, that little disc can be removed from the console, and I'm very happy to hear that because it just looks weird and out of place when it's on there now. Um, so I was not aware of that when I opened it, but now I am, and that's good to hear. Um, so, Matt, you didn't even get like a little burst of energy when you were unboxing the thing for the first time? Not really. I mean, I was surprised at, at how small it was. I thought it was, yeah. was going to be bigger. Maybe I just have PS5 size in my mind. Yeah. Um, it was way smaller than I thought it was going to be, for sure. Yeah. And, but uh, way heavier. And I wasn't sure how I was going to display it. I ended up putting it vertically. Um, kind of, it's kind of nice. It takes up, doesn't take much, take up much space. It's sort of neat and sits there like a little monolith from 2001, and uh, uh, puts out a ton of heat. Like if you go near the top of it while it's on, it's, uh, it's, oh, it's. it's I a, mean, that's its, its only it's real furnace. big exhaust. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to have to throw a lot of heat out of that van. And um, uh, and it's so quiet. Like it's okay, we'll get into some so of that quiet, stuff. It is like, when it runs by itself, it is. Have you put a disc in it yet? No. We'll get to all that. Um, so but, uh, it's it's fine. You know, it's it's uh, the only thing I was surprised by was like, oh, there's not really much documentation in here. There's like usually is, I expect like some papers <laughs> no or something. In there, no. it is so Spartan, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the PlayStation Five is the same way. Uh, that's just kind of the way electronics are going. Look at uh, the iPhone 12s that Apple is sending out. It's in this little dinky box, like. They're just trying to get rid of excess packaging and things like that. So I mm -hmm. get why, but it is weird. Like usually when you get a console, you get like this huge instruction manual and you get like all these leaflets and a plastic yeah, bag yeah. that they all go in and, and you get like a headset. The quick setup thing. So, you know, because yeah. they know that nobody's ever going to look at the actual instruction manual. Like it's, but so you really just you, you really get a little tag, yeah, yeah, a little tag that says what you need to do, and that's Which it. Which is fine, yeah. um, because ultimately how it works is once you turn on your Series X for the first time, it prompts you to use the Xbox app on your smartphone. Uh, I, I would say it forces you it, to use the Xbox app. I would guess you can probably set it up without, but you can't apparently. Really? Like I don't, I didn't see a way to do that. I tried because I don't want the Xbox app, but like no, I had to do it. 
And then there's some kind of, is it the Xbox that's sending out the Wi-Fi signal or is it just connecting through your it's the Wi-Fi? Xbox. It's the Xbox oh. creating its own Wi-Fi network. To yeah, and you say so you have to connect to that and then you get like a code <clears throat> that you have to input in the app and mm -hmm. then it just kind of takes off. And I will say this, Matt alluded to earlier that, and he's right, that when you get your Xbox Series X set up, you look at it and you're like, this is just like my Xbox One. It's mm -hmm. really hard. To see a difference because it's the same OS, it's the same everything. Yeah, but right. I actually did was like I was like I just opened the store and like the store just like, boom pops right up. I'm like okay, that's new. Like yeah. the, the speed. I mean, you, it, you do notice the speed. Oh yeah, immediately. immediately. But just looking at it, it doesn't look that different. No, and and to Matt's all. point, you can also go and choose to basically upload all your settings from your old mm -hmm. Xbox, and so it intrinsically makes your new Xbox look exactly like your old one. And I agree, Matt. That is a it's a change. And so after I got everything set up, I did the unboxing, came back home, got it set up out of my living room and started messing around with it. I felt the same way you did, Matt. I'm like, I'll be honest. My first impression was, why did I buy this? Mm -hmm. Because after everything got loaded up and it was cool, it's very slick, it's very quick as far as like loading up all your stuff from your old Xbox. Once that all happens and you're, you're kind of over the all of that, then you're like, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. And that's where the pause happens. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess I guess I'll install Assassin's Creed and keep playing that. Like it's just like, you know, I went through my library of whatever stuff I had that I was interested in playing or currently playing that had the smart delivery on it and just started installing those and I went and did something else for like an hour. Like yeah. that was Well, that was the other thing happened. too that's a little bit different is like when you get a console now, you can't play it like no, right you gotta away. Install shit, yeah. Yeah, so you had to, you had to install the uh, the new like the update to the OS or whatever, and mm. the download speeds are not any better than they were on Xbox. No, it's the same. It's They're exactly, exactly the same. same. Um, we'll see what they do with PlayStation Five. If I've heard reports that downloads on PS Five are like blazingly fast, but I'll wait to pass judgment until I see it with my own eyes. Uh, not faster on Xbox Series X. It's the same as it was before. So you do that firm, firmware download, and then you have to download games. And like, yeah. I, well, I Also, you, you also have to update the controller if yep. you use the new controller, which I will never get used to controllers needing <laughs> updates. That is so weird to me. Well, I, the um, first game I wanted to play was Watch Dogs Legion because I mm -hmm. was playing it on the base Xbox One. So I'm like, all right, well, I want to check out Legion because obviously it has ray tracing and a bunch of other stuff. I wanted to check it out. And it took like another three hours to download one. It just, the momentum of it all is not the same as it used to be. It used to be you rip it open and it, from the minute you see it, it's just nonstop euphoria. And there's it's something like, there, like even on yeah, PS5, you'll be able day. to, yeah, even on PS5, you'll be able to pull up like the Astrobot thing. Yeah, it's already installed. installed. Yeah. And you can start messing around and try out the new uh, DualSense controller and seeing all the functionality from that. It's just, and I was, you know, we talked about this a lot in the run up to this, but like there was no Game Pass like trial or anything like that. And yeah, like, there it's wasn't. It's, it's very anticlimactic getting an Xbox Series X. I guess is the best way I could put it into mm -hmm. like one sentence. Like you're very excited, you open it up, and then it's just kind of a steady decline from there. Um, and then you look around at some of the games that I was like, do I want to play Yakuza like a dragon? Kind of, but it's like that's not the game that you play because you got a new console. And I right. don't have that on Series X, unfortunately. No, well, um, there, there isn't one. Really, yeah. I mean, there's Assassin's Creed, kind of, but I'd played that the night before on my my Xbox One X, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm glad it already I did looks pretty dang good. Yeah, it looks yeah. really good, and I'm glad I did because I got to see you know the difference. Mm -hmm. um, that's the most valuable thing about having played Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed before on the Xbox One X is that I got to play them on this and be like, oh, that's a difference. There's you a get difference. To see the bump. Yeah. So that was useful, um, mm -hmm. but otherwise, it's sort of like 
you know, I said before, I think on last week's show, I was like, I don't know why you'd buy an Xbox right now. And mm-hmm. I still hold that. Like, I, 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 I mean, I'll say this. I concur. Like, now that I have one, and I'm, and we'll get into some of the other stuff that I've done since I've got it that mm-hmm. also would lead me to tell someone maybe to not uh, buy one right out of the gate. It's just hard to, ra- unless you just love old games, it's yeah. really hard for me to rationalize telling someone to spend 500 for me it was 547 dollars after tax um that's a lot i mean we're we're both in california so yep yes we we, we charge the same tax uh so but i will say this the hardware itself i really like it it's very slick it's very fast i like how it just blends in that's one thing i don't like about the playstation 5 is how garish it looks i don't really care that like someone walks in and like oh you got the new x i don't care about any of that like i just want a good aesthetic and a great piece of hardware and what i've used of the hardware so far has been pretty amazing. And it looks great. And as Matt said, for the most part, it's deadly silent. So the the platform is there. Now it's up to the content to bring it all home. And mm-hmm. that remains to be seen. Uh, let's talk about the new controller. You talked about it a little bit, Matt. Um, I am pleasantly surprised by the new stock Xbox controller. Um, the D-pad in particular um, as I said in the unboxing, you guys were very gracious and you bought me an Elite Series 2 controller for Christmas last year. Um, so I haven't messed around with the stock controller that much other than just put it in my hands and feel it and feel all the D-pad feels. I like the D-pad better on the mm-hmm. stock controller than the D-pad on the Elite Series 2. It's made yeah. out of plastic, but it just feels better. It has um, less throw and it feels a little snappier. Um, I will go so far as to say I like the new controller better than the Elite. Wow! Like, That's and I've been using and I've been using the Elite for you know years on my PC and my Xbox. Mm-hmm. I have two of them, uh, one for each. Um, and I was like, I'll try this one out, and then I'll pair the Elite and just go back to that. And I have not. I wow. like this new one a lot. Huh? That's amazing. I That's did not. I did not expect to be saying that, but I I don't miss the Elite. I mean, I'll say this again, even though the sticks are made out of plastic instead of mm-hmm. metal, like on the Elite, the sticks feel to me almost exact. Yeah. Part of it yeah. may be how I have the sticks tuned on my Elite because you can do that. You can set the tension on your sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I just haphazardly set up my Elite so that the sticks are the same way as this, but they, it feels the same. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels to me like they designed this controller to feel like an Elite controller At just without, the, just without the, the materials. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I'm so far, I'm a pretty big fan of it. Um, I think people who get the controller with their system are not going to be disappointed. Um, at this point, I would not recommend like investing in an Elite controller. I would definitely say try out the new controller first before you decide to do that. I think you're going to like it a lot. Yeah. Um, and now it's time to talk about games. And we talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about it for two months on Game Face already about how we really didn't see a really strong launch lineup for the series consoles. And now that we're here, that has turned out to be the case. There's really no strong game that you really just want to boot up right away, unless it's a third-party game like Assassin's Creed or Watch Dogs Legion. There's really no first-party stuff there. Um, and, you know, Yakuza Like a Dragon, some people may really resonate with that. To me, that's not a big launch game for a console. It's just not. Um, but the big hook for Xbox Series X and S is that it's very easy to access and jump around between your old library of games. And so that's kind of where I've put my focus on testing Series X over the last 24 plus hours. Um, And I focused on a trio of games. Uh, The first game that I focused on, as I said earlier, was Watch Dogs Legion. I just wanted to check it out to see how much it was improved over the Xbox One. And again, 
I had the base Xbox One, the launch mm. unit. And I have to say, it looked like a different game, Matt. Like, everything about it looked completely different. The draw distance, mm. being able to see, like, six blocks down the street. On my base Xbox One, I could maybe see, like, a block and a half or two blocks. And then it would just get, like, blurry. The texturing, the lighting, everything about it, huge step up. So I was like, okay, this this is what's showing me the horsepower of yeah. the Xbox Series like, X. Like, I mean, I the first thing I played was Assassin's Creed because I was still in the middle. Of, you know, I was new game. You know, it came out the night before, yeah, and I was still playing. I'm playing it. that on PS4. Yeah. So. so, but I was playing that, and so I, I loaded up, and I'm like, oh, cool. You know, it looks it looks nice. It's a little sharper. Uh, you know, the the frame rate's higher. It's you know, it, it's it's just it's just a little better. Like you know, you bump the settings up a little bit. Cool. So, and it wasn't until later last night that I loaded up Watchdog because it, t- it was installed second and it took a while. And I've been playing Watchdog so I, more, so I wasn't as interested. Mm-hmm. And I went and I loaded up Watchdogs Legion. And I'm like, oh, that's wow. Like it was it was night and day. Like it was like Assassin's Creed was like, oh, because I played this on the last previous system last night and I'm playing it on this one today, I can definitely see the difference because I just had experience with that. With Watch Dogs, I didn't play that in like four days. And I'm like, oh, this is not the same game. Like this looks completely different. Like just yep. the lighting quality, the 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 just there's something about it. Like it it did not have this, there's you know there's a flat look to the previous gen one that is not in it almost like the the environments almost look too good for the character models now yeah like a bus pulled up that had the screens that were yeah. that were like cycling through on the side of it and i just stopped and like looked mm-hmm. at it like yeah. yeah like i stared at a couple trees yeah, look at the light come crazy, through the branches man. of that tree that's crazy yeah. like, i'm excited uh, to play valhalla on my ps5 when i get it tomorrow morning mm-hmm. um, like it's definitely i mean playing at a higher frame rate is basically really nice there's a lot of like extra particle things in the snow you can tell like that that's working mm-hmm. a little better um it's a little th- but the jump on watchdogs is much more noticeable it's huge yep um and so that showed me the horsepower and then i was like okay mm-hmm. let's start getting into some of the other stuff that they talk talked about the backwards compatibility um the first game that i decided to check that out with was rocket league and the reason i decided to use rocket league is because right now Rocket League is the only game for Xbox Series X that can run at 4K 120 frames per second. Um, And one thing I should say is when you get your Series X, that functionality is not turned on by default. You have to go into the menus and turn on 120 hertz. Um, Otherwise, it will not display at, uh, at that frequency. So... I did that. I went in and turned everything on. I went and played Rocket League in 4K 120 and dominated (laughs) i haven't played rocket league in like it's been like a year and a half and i scored like five goals out of our seven goals so i don't know if i just got matched up with a bunch of bad players or if the fact that i am playing at 120 frames per second actually gave me a competitive advantage keep in mind i'm using my new tv now and there's like no latency anymore you know these this new tv it's like the milliseconds are like nothing um, so I don't know if all that coalesced into me just dominating the game, uh, but I could definitely see a huge difference in Rocket League. Some of it may be the TV because, you know, coming off a similar plasma, which is more like 120 milliseconds of yeah. like, you jump to this thing, which is more like 17. Yeah. Like every multiplayer, all of a sudden fighting games were a lot easier online. <laughs> I was like, oh, this yeah. is what it's supposed to feel like. Yep. Um, so that might be part of it, but I'm sure the frame rate matters. Oh, know? the other thing I should have said about Watch Dogs before we moved on was my save, Boom, in there. Mm. Um, and then when I decided to play Rocket League, 
they go in and they start pulling in your saves. Yeah. Um, so it's very seamless. It's very easy. It's pretty quick. I was kind of surprised how long it took for them to download my 360 saves. I, I know I have a lot because that's probably the generation I've played more than any other in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But it took like two minutes to download just my save data for 360. Um, so the, Rocket- um, the, the one thing I also will say is when I, I imported my uh, stuff and everything for Assassin's Creed and it immediately crashed to black and I had, oh, to, restart, really? I had to restart the game and oh, that okay. worked. Okay. But uh, only problem I've had so far. Yeah. Rocket League worked great. And so my third game that I turned my attention to was the notorious Dark Souls. So I was like, okay, I've tried a game from last gen. Let me try one from the Xbox 360 gen. And what better game than the one that I have tangled with over and over and has defeated me over and over again. Um, And also a game that, if you remember, had problems with like frame huge frame rate problems yeah, especially on the xbox yep and so i was like all right i downloaded it um and then my saves got sucked right in i started right where i left off in fact in started off right where i left off in shane versus dark souls <laughs> the live stream that i did that same damn room that i started in like 20 times and couldn't get past uh, so i start there everything works great and it does look better it's way crisper it does kind of have those weird almost like white edges around stuff that i was talking about a couple mm. weeks ago um but it looks crisper cleaner and then I tried to move, and it, Matt, it is unplayable. Really? Unplayable. It's frame rate. My guess, in that first room, I took four steps forward. It almost stopped. It was so bad. Now, my guess is that uh, there's some kind of frame cap, frame pacing problem there, because the ports for Xbox on the Dark Souls games are terrible. Um, well, it's worse than it there's was. O- there's only on so much Xbox you can do. One. There's only so much you can do, with because uh, they're going to have to patch some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Um, uh, the only the only backwards because I just you know there's a lot of downloading to do. Uh, the only yeah. backwards compatible thing I tried was uh, Dragon Age Inquisition uh, okay. at the request of one of my friends who loves that game. And I um, uh, mean, I mean, it looks about the same, it's a little crisper. But the main thing is the load times are maybe like a third of what they used to be. Like, and I'm running the, I so I'm, that was also to test because I'm doing the thing that Digital Foundry did, where I got that two terabyte. I didn't get the eight terabyte one. But I got the two terabyte SATA. Samsung okay. drive, mm-hmm. 870, and I uh, hooked it up with a little adapter and formatted it. You know, that's where I'm going to install all the backwards compatible stuff, anything that's not built for Xbox Series X. And uh, so I put it on that to see, yeah, great. Worked work great. Like, so uh, all, you know, everything is working as intended. The improvements are tangible and there. Um, there's just nothing to really play yet. Yep. So there is nothing to play, but Matt, I did start digging into the hardware late night last night. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go through all the menus and start looking for stuff. And I did pull up some stuff that I didn't know about. Um, One thing, and I just got a 4K TV, and this is kind of a non sequitur, but I want to ask you about it. Why are there no 4K movie rentals? Um, There should be. Like for, where? Like, like on the Microsoft Store. I went to the Xbox. Store. I'm like, I don't know I'm like, Amazon. holy crap! I just realized I have a 4K TV and I can start renting movies in 4K. So I'm like, surely with their 4K console, if I go to the store, I'll be able to rent a 4K movie. No, no option for 4K, just HD. Um, I mean, sometimes HD does mean 4K, like just automatically. Uh, some, sometimes it'll say HD and it'll just play in 4K. That's, anyway. usually, that's usually what HD means now. Uh, um, okay, gotcha. Okay. And then sometimes if you go to like if you go to like Amazon, you can rent SD, HD, and sometimes they'll have Ultra HD, which is like the full 4K native, whatever. Supposedly, I mean, in streaming, yeah. you're kind of yeah, yeah. Um, 
So like, uh, yeah, but usually HD, uh, some, you can't tell it's movie by movie sometimes, but usually, uh, if you have a 4k, if you have a 4k display, it will detect that and kind of like try to output it as that best it can okay. depending I, on I the connection. Um, I assume that's what Microsoft is doing there. I don't think I've ever rented. The only thing I've ever bought from Microsoft's movie store is the Bill and Ted trilogy because it came with episodes of the animated series. So I'm just like, that's more than I get from anywhere else. So that's what I'm going to get here. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, uh, I'm not too familiar with how the Microsoft store works with movies, but as I understand it, HD pretty much means if you can do 4K, we'll give you 4K. But it kind of depends on your connection and what you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, the only place that I know explicitly calls it out is... Um, is Amazon because there's a separate ultra HD rental Option. tier. Do you have to pay more for it? Uh, yeah, it's usually like six ninety nine instead of like three hundred dollar something like yeah. that. Okay. Um, you know, another thing you have to turn on. I should mention before we move forward yeah. manually that doesn't turn on by default <clears throat> is variable refresh rate. Now keep in mind if you don't have like the LG CX like I just got, and truth be told, most of you guys probably don't have variable refresh rates on your monitors if if you're using a TV. Um, then don't turn that off. Don't turn that on. Um, but if you have like the LG CX or something that can handle it, you have to go in and turn those on manually, which I also did. Um, I started looking through like all the capture stuff in it. Pretty cool, pretty slick. Um, I like that you can really customize a lot of the parts of it. Like you can choose whether you want to upload it automatically and, and all that kind of stuff. You can also set like the quality. You can choose. Um, so when you say, Oh, I'll record that. You can set how long it will go back, but it's dependent on the resolution. So if you choose 720p, you can go back three minutes. If you choose 1080p, you can only go back one minute. But truth be told, generally you just need that one minute anyway. Um, you can also set um, a recording buffer. And if you want, you can save, you can plug in any external USB drive and save your captures to that external drive, unlike uh, some of the Series X games. Um, what else did I find? My TV is awesome. <laughs> I discovered it. it takes everything. It was so awesome, Matt, plugging this thing in and just watching my TV just check all these boxes. Just ting, 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 ting. Mm -hmm. And then seeing the little icons pop up as it was enabled as I played. I was like, okay, I, I feel like I have a state-of-the-art TV because everything it threw at it, it was like, we got this, which was cool. But also, it threw a lot at it. Like, the Xbox is throwing so many, like, codex out at any given time it's it's really crazy where uh where hardware is at this point um so let's see another thing that i did was i just grabbed i only have like three boxed xbox one games uh because obviously it's been the digital age and when you get review code mm -hmm. they just send you download code so i only had three um and one of them was call of duty ghost but probably my least favorite call of duty ever um so i just took that and i just put it in the drive to see what would happen and first of all, the drive's pretty loud. So Matt was saying earlier, like, it's deadly quiet. And that's why I was kind of like, ah, we'll mention that later. When I put a disc in this thing, the disc drive is, is pretty loud. Like, you can definitely hear it, like, over a moderately sounding TV. The so they did part, not encase it in steel, right, soundproof like steel like the PlayStation 5 did. Yeah. Um, but it's not a big deal. Most people aren't even going to be using discs other than to install stuff on their console, and then they'll never use it again. So not that big of a deal, in all honesty. The bigger deal was I put in a disc, and then I had to sit there and wait for a 40-gig download to play a mm -hmm. Call of Duty that's like 10 years old. Um, and I'm just guessing that's probably the way it's going to have to be going forward. But That's the way the backwards compatibility on Xbox has always been. You put the disc yeah. in, it's basically a key, and you download the full game from, from their online service. Yep. That's um, that's just how it works. So I just bailed. <laughs> it's like I'm not going to mm. sit here for an hour and a half waiting to download Call of Duty Ghost, but that's that's how it works. So 
Uh, what else did I stumble across digging into this thing? Oh, quick resume. Doesn't work, Matt. Are you aware of this? No, because I did it last night. Okay, so I couldn't get it to work at all. Hmm. Um, and I was trying to swap between the three games I mentioned, between Dark Souls, uh, Watch Dogs Legion, and uh, Rocket League. Hmm. It wouldn't work. Every time I would switch to a different game, it would start the game over again, and it would reload the title screen. And I was like, okay, hmm. I'm doing something wrong. Um, because I was just hitting the X button and then just choosing the game from the little drop-down mm. that shows up. Uh, I was switching between Legion and Assassin's Creed and it was fine. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to get to it. My only guess... I, I've already that. investigated it. I, oh, okay. I know what's going on. So um, so anyway, it wouldn't work for me at all. And I was like, I'm doing something wrong. Like, there's some menu that I don't know about because they don't tell you how to do it. There's no, like, instructional or tutorial. No, it's, it's oddly light on here's how things work. Yeah. Uh, almost as though they expect you to know how everything works like the old system again. But even, like, the little <laughs> thing is like, here's some... Like, there's a thing at the top when you first stood it up. It's like, here's some hints for your new system. And it's just like the button does things. It's, there's no like hints about things you might not know about the new functionality. It's purely like, here's how a video game system works. It's useless. Yeah, there are no tutorials for it at all. It doesn't tell you how it works. So I thought I was just doing something wrong. So I'm like looking all over the place, like trying to find like the quick resume menu so that I could like pin it to the screen when I hit X. And I, I'm like, this I can't find it. So I just Google it. And I'm like, why? I'm like, does it not work? And sure enough, there's a gigantic Reddit thread full of people who are having the same problem. And at first, Microsoft thought it was only a problem with Watch Dogs Legion because that was the first game that everyone discovered that would not work. Hmm. Um, and then as Microsoft started investigating, it discovered that it was a problem with a ton of games. And according to that Reddit thread, as of a post this morning, they said that they took it down today altogether while they work on it. So hmm. I don't know. It hasn't worked for me yet. At all. Anytime I choose a new game, it, it's like I'm starting the game all over. I have to wait for it to load up, and then I have to I watch the title screen. I have to start it. Hmm. So when I switched, so when I switched back and forth, I only did it once back and forth uh, to see it happen, basically. Yeah. And when I switched, it basically it, it went to the Assassin's Creed like logo, like when you start a, the game up, like any Xbox game, like the big still screen comes up of the logo of the game or whatever. So that came up. And then the little like quick resume arrow popped up and it it cut right to where I'd been in the game. Yep. And then when I and then when I'm I sure switched, when it works, it's awesome. I yeah, just so, so it works on mine. I don't I don't know why it's not working on some and not working on others, but uh, so you got it to work with Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah, jump. I went and I went back. To, I'm like, oh, that was cool. Let's go back to Watch Dogs Legion. It pops up the picture of the guy with the pig mask in the crowd, and then it just does the thing and pops up to where I was. And I went back to Assassin's Creed because that's what I wanted to play and did it again. So I didn't have a problem there. Um, but that's the only time I've done it. That was like probably like oh, and just so you know, probably like eight o'clock last night. So that's okay. all I got. And just so you know, that is how you do it. You just hit the X. You're, that's how it's supposed to work. You mm -hmm. just hit the X on your controller and you just choose from the list there. And yeah. it should take you right back to where you were. <coughs> in the game. Yeah. Not just working like, for me yet. They'll get it. It's like before, if you if you did it, like it would tell you like we got to quit the old game and yep. you just switch over the new one. And this one, it just doesn't give you that message and jumps right over. Yep. Uh, um, it will. It's not working for me to. yet. I'll be excited when it. Like does. it's not working for anybody if they turn it off to work on it. I didn't. That's also interesting that that's a feature they can turn off remotely for everyone. That's yeah weird. It okay. is weird. Yep. So anyway, that that's the crux of my experience with Xbox Series X so far. Um, what a, maybe a couple other tidbits. One thing I would say is I'm starting to look at my Series X as like my new gaming PC. Um, I, I'm like I can spend 550 bucks on a a rig that I would have to spend a lot more to build if it was a PC. Uh, so in a lot of ways, I've kind of 
shifted my perception of what Series X is a little bit. Like, I almost feel like they should release Windows for this thing. Like, because it's a great PC for really freaking cheap. Like, and you, it, it, keyboard, mouse already works in it. Um, if you could release some kind of truncated version of Windows with like Microsoft Office or something, you'd sell so many more of these things. So right now, that's where I'm at with it. I'm looking at it almost as like a PC instead of a video game console. Um, and I just think that's a factor of the fact that there just isn't a really big game to play right out of the gate. What say you, Matt? Um, I mean, that's pretty much covers it. Like it's it one day we'll probably have stuff you you need to play. Uh, it doesn't right now. It's more of a toy to kind of like mess with. Oh, this loads like this or this looks like this now or this is cool. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's this it's sort of the same. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as like when you get a new graphics card and you load up all your old games to see what see they look like they now look. and see, yeah. see how far you can push the settings and still get That's a good frame rate. That's probably why I'm looking at this as like a PC. Yeah, it's a very it's, similar experience, yeah. you know, right down to the whole OS is identical thing. Yep. Um, so, which I guess is in Microsoft's brand in the end. Um, but in terms of sort of getting a new console to play around with and see all the new things, like it's just not, it doesn't do that. It's it's not for that. It's a uh, it's an upgrade of the thing you already have to run things better for a new generation, and that's about it. Uh, and because it has no real first party offerings to speak of right now, it's mostly to play other people's games that you maybe want to go back to now, or if you haven't played Assassin's Creed yet or Watch Dogs yet, like that's about it. But in terms of compelling you to buy this and miss out on like Miles Morales or Dark Demon Souls, like there's not a lot. To, there's not a lot of argument on the Xbox side there. Yeah, now that I have a Series X, I'm very, very happy that I recommended everyone buy a PS5. I'll yeah. put it to you that way. I, I, like, no, I mean, I felt, uh, I felt good about it when I told people that. I feel really good about it now, particularly yeah, it did, right did now. Not, I, there, was, there were no surprises here for me, in except for how much I like the controller, really. Yeah, I honestly... I can't think of a single reason I would tell someone to buy a Series X over a PS5 right right now. No, I just can't. not right now. Um, maybe so, one day. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it maybe even will be that all that long. I mean, Halo Infinite that could be whipped into shape and it could be great. And immediately then, to me, it's worth buying a Series X. Yeah. But look, if you're if you're like saving your pennies right now to try to get a Series X for Christmas or before the end of the year, stop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just telling you. Um, I, I have spent 500 and some dollars on it, and I'm like, what do I do with this thing now? I'm playing Valhalla on PlayStation. I'm pretty much done with Watch Dogs. I, well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what you do with it like now. like six you, months. I'll tell you what you do with it now. You write it off in your taxes. Yeah. It's <laughs> a business expense. Yeah, it absolutely is. But, yeah. I mean, that thing may sit there for six months before I touch it again. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on how the third-party stuff shakes mm -hmm. out. If, if I mean, PlayStation 5, if the third-party stuff is on par there, why would I start buying it on Xbox? I uh, can tell you why. I'll tell you why I will. Because I have more goddamn storage space on the Xbox. That's a good point. That's a good point. Be because I can expand the Xbox easier. Like yeah. the, the, the PlayStation 5, we're waiting for Sony to like verify which SSDs we can stick in the oh, thing. Oh, we're going to get to that because um, there's all kinds of stuff going on yeah. with the PS5 storage right now. And so, like, so that's situation on Xbox. So, sure. ironically enough, we're sort of still in the same, for me, I'm still in the same position I was last gen where I'm going to play the exclusives on PS5 and I'm going to play everything else on the Xbox. Yeah, if they're if they're close, if I have yeah. six months of third party stuff on PS5, I'll probably never go back to third party on Xbox. I just won't. Mm. It um, again, it does depend on performance. Yeah, if the PS5 runs stuff better, I probably will end up just dealing. Which with I don't think is likely. Which probably not. Yeah, I think I, best case scenario is PS5 is on par with Series X 
or more likely, maybe a little less power, little yeah, less. Yeah, I think it'll come down to a game by game thing. Yeah. Like this game runs a little they better. Do. This game has different this this particle effect works this way, and it doesn't work this way on the other one, or that kind of thing. And so it's very. I think it's going to come down to minor differences in the way like Burnout Paradise was, where like the sparks were a little better on PS3. You know. Yeah. I'll just put it to you this way: like if I had really went out on a limb financially to buy this console, I'd be really bummed right now. Yes, I agree. Like if I had sac- made like big sacrifices to save for it and th- and knowing that six months from now, eight months from now, I would have been able to afford it easily, um, I would be really bummed um, if I had made big sacrifices to get this thing. I hope that we've kind of led you guys down the path where that didn't happen um, over the last three or four months. I feel like we've been pretty upfront and pretty honest. And ultimately, I think we were pretty accurate uh, about PS5 and Xbox yeah. Series X. I, I definitely feel like I did not mince words about my feelings on this. No, no, yeah, for sure. I'm a little. I tend to be a little more diplomatic. It's just as my role of host, I have to be. Otherwise, I'm a terrible host. So mm. um, I try to be a little more positive when I can. But I, I think if you watch Game Face, we we sent the message out pretty loud and clear. So there you go. That's Xbox Series X. I hope this. I don't like. Don't touch this thing for like months. Like. <laughs> It could happen. Like I literally could have spent five hundred dollars to fiddle around with an OS for like eighteen hours. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so anyway, that's I mean, I'm going to keep playing Assassin's Creed on it, obviously. But like, yeah, you know. yeah, I'm already playing that on PS. I've been playing on PS4 Pro on my new TV, and yowza, boy, does that game look amazing! Uh, and we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But first. We're going to talk about something that happened that I had not anticipated. Um, N7 Day is November 7th of every year. And basically, it's a holiday for Mass Effect, for lack of a, mm. a better description. But oh, since Andromeda came out, it's become kind of a non-event because you're like, well, what are you going to celebrate on N7 Day? And so I completely even forgot it existed until <laughs> BioWare was like, oh, hold on a minute. We got something for you guys. And did they ever? They finally announced the long-rumored Mass Effect Trilogy remaster. Uh, they've, they've called it the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, it is coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And then it's also going to have next-gen enhancements. Um, and it's coming in spring of 2021. Matt, how happy were you when you heard about this? Uh, pretty happy, but I knew this was coming to some degree. Um, it's uh, yeah, especially because like you know, I knew that it was it was just a matter of when they were going to admit it. Um, and then uh, there was an art. There's an art book for Mass Effect, a new art book coming out in, in February. Uh, and everyone's like, okay, well, clearly, like something's happening. If you're, yeah, you're I mean, not going to put a new art book out for nothing, like it doesn't come out of nowhere. So there's the, and with all those things flying around, so. I don't know if it's going to be February for this thing because they did say spring, which is after February. But like, clearly, we're getting it before June, yep. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and I know they're doing there. There, there are some tweaks that are happening to it. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect to see one completely remade in the style of two and three. Although but, Bioware uh, specifically mentioned that they are tweaking that, one. In, that that is the sore spot. That is the one game that they're going to spend the most time on, and that they need to spend the most time on. Uh, and so I have heard. I have heard that. Of it. I have heard one of the that they were going to launch this in October mm. this year, 
and uh, that one of the reasons it got pushed in addition to the COVID transition was that they wanted more time to mess with one and make yep. it better. It does need work, man. One it's is hard. a rough play. Now. It's hard to play now, for sure. It was it was pretty much a prototype for what would become the modern Bioware standard, and it shows if you go back to it. It's and not, the other problem is, is this is the Mass Effect trilogy. So if people have not played any of these games and they get it, What's the first game they're going to play? They're going to play the first Mass Effect. Imagine if they didn't touch that game, and that's the first impression people get. And they're like, okay, this game is 50 hours, and the other two are like, that's like 100. Wait a minute. I have to play 50 hours before I can get to the good stuff? That's... That's a hard sell. So they had to do it. And it's it's good that they are doing it. Um, What other tweaks would you suggest, Matt? Um, Hmm... Anything to two or three that uh, that still kind of grinds your gears a little bit? Not that wouldn't require like basically ripping the thing apart and putting it back together again. So um, you're saying there are things that you'd like, but they're not really feasible. No, they're not realistic. They're they're yeah. they're the last boss of two is really stupid. Um, the uh, I think the, there's a consensus on that. <laughs> the end the ending of three uh, could have been more rooted in the choices you'd made across three games and not just like the big pick a color thing. I don't. I'm not a hater of the Mass Effect three ending. I think it's fine, but I think that. Um, be better, especially be especially after the update. Good. But I just think that like Mass Effect deserved better than fine. And uh, uh, was it Casey Hudson went on and on about how they were going to make it all matter and it, and it didn't. No. Like, and I'm not a big like, oh, the devs lied because it's just stupid. <laughs> like, it's, it's just such a pathetic way to be about this shit because like sometimes things change and develop. Everything is a conspiracy, Matt. And like, but it's just like, don't yeah, get any I'm, proof I'm, for it either. It's not. It's not that I'm just like, oh, you said this and it turned out to be different. It's that like. I don't care. I don't care. Anything, anything anyone says in the run-up of marketing for anything, I only half believe it anyway. You know, like you and I have been through the PR machine enough that we know yep. that most of that is very negotiable. But yep. like to me, like you play that they play these three games, and it's so rooted in what you do and what you choose. And there's so many callbacks, especially in three, to all the weird decisions you made over the last two games. And it's also integrated. And then the, the ending is just yeah. eh, pick a color. Yeah. This is like it's it's not and like here's the, the other thing is like if that was the end of like a, a book of like a novel where you run into this like citadel child and you have this whole thing like that like that would pretty much work for me as the end of that science fiction story but it's not just that science fiction story it's my journey with this character with all these decisions to be made and all these choices to be made and kind of you, to the point that you had to make an app or if someone hadn't played the other games, you got to design the universe through their choices so you'd have something to go on to load up Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U. So the fact that the ending is sort of like the one major event in the story that does not take that level of choice into account is bizarre. I mean, it's not bizarre because I know it would be very, very hard to do that properly. So they just sort of punted. But the punting is disappointing. Okay. Um, but... It sounds like overall, two overall, and three. I think two and three are great. Two and Mass Effect Two is one of my favorite games of all time. It would probably be like yeah. top three. And I don't uh, think you're alone in that one. That would, of- it would also be my pick for best game of last gen. Um, oh, interesting. I, I love that game more than just about any any other thing from the Xbox 360 generation. Yeah, those two games they still hold up today. Like yeah. people can play them today and they'll they'll be okay with it. There's a few things in them that tip its hand a little bit as far as how old it is, but. You gussy up those graphics mm-hmm. a little bit. People play that stuff in 4K. I think it'll go over pretty well. Um, so big news, but if you've been watching Game Phase or if you've been on Sifted, we've literally curated at least four stories about this 
trilogy being remastered. Yeah, this is one of the worst kept secrets. Yeah. So sifters have known this has been coming for a while. If you don't spend a lot of time on sifted, it may have been like one of the best surprises of 2020. And there haven't been many good surprises in 2020. Let's just be honest. Um, and then the final part of the N7 presentation was that BioWare announced that a new Mass Effect is in development. Um, now that may... Some people may not be celebrating that as much because the last Mass Effect game was Mass Effect Andromeda, and the impressions of that from most fans were highly negative. Um, and now they did say that they have a team already of 12 people who have worked on prior Mass Effect games that are working on this new one. Uh, so it does look like BioWare's keeping it in-house, meaning like in-house at Edmonton. Uh, which typically is their good studio, but I don't know. Like, I feel like I've even lost faith in that studio at this point, Matt. I just, and not I lost faith. It, it's just that they've gone from blazing the trail to walking, walking in the trail, walking on the trail. Um, I, I just, you know, I mean, they, yeah, they made a, they, obviously they know that people are concerned about a new one. They call it, you know, they said veteran team several mm -hmm. times. Yeah, like three times. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like three times. Te technically, the people that made Mass Effect Andromeda are also a veteran team now. Right. They, made, they made a Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, my thing is, I mean, fine. I'm guessing a lot of those people worked on Andromeda. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, like fine, cool. Like, if you're doing that, okay. Like, Mass Effect was the story of Shepard and it's over. And not everything. Think that's what the real problem is? Yeah. Not everything needs to be a franchise. Like yeah. that universe was was interesting, and I loved the the world of Mass Effect. But it was built around that story and around that character, and trying to like kind of continue to play in that universe without that kind of drive as a you know because it's because that part of the other problem with Andromeda is um, Mass Effect is space opera. Mass Effect is not really science fiction at its heart. Like there's a lot of science fiction in it. There's a lot of like hard sci-fi gadgetry and like yeah. that kind of world like lore and world building, but the core of the story is like a myth. Well, it's and, story it's, and, it's couch, and it's couched that way because it's a story driven at the end, game. Yeah. It's a but more importantly than a story driven game, it's a myth. It's 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 not a story of gadgets and 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 science. It's a story of characters and people, people. and sort of this, yeah, yeah. these sweeping events that sort of you know, you put them in like a game of it, also like it's not a coincidence that Dragon Age has such a similar you know, build and style to Mass Effect, not just because it's made by the same people, but because they're both myths. They're both epic fantasy in a way. They're space opera, like Star Wars is. And yep. when you and when you remove that, uh, Mass Effect and drama was trying to be kind of straight science fiction. We were going to explore this, and that, and it just didn't quite gel the same way because it didn't feel it didn't feel the same. It's like when you go back to like the expanded universe novels for Star Wars, and it's just a bunch of sci-fi authors writing science fiction with the names replaced with Star Wars things, and it's like this doesn't feel like Star Wars. It might even yeah, be a I, good I tried story. to read so many of those books. Yeah. <laughs> I can never make it past like the first one. 20 pages. That's because they're all garbage. Yeah. Um, but they but it's like even if you like them, even they're good, like like even the couple that I was like I thought were okay, like I'm like, this doesn't feel like Star Wars. It just right. because Star Wars is a myth. You know, it's it's a it's, it has it has scope, it has like this this uh quality to it that you just don't get get and like a lot of other official media like don't get. Mandalorian gets it. Yeah. Um but like that's the pro one of the problems with Andromeda, in addition to the fact that it was written, whole, whole, incredibly bug-ridden and wasn't very interesting. And uh, But, like, the gameplay of Mass Effect Andromeda is very good. Like, it was the best, the best gameplay in, in franchise yeah. history. Yeah. 
But unfortunately, uh, the rest of it wasn't as good as the other other games. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. And sh- I mean, go ahead and make another Mass Effect, fine. But like, don't expect me to be excited about it until you show me. What do you think you they should do, Matt? Um, I look, think they should make. I, it. I agree with you. I, I I know that, and that's what I was getting at. I hear you. I agree with that a thousand percent. That franchise was designed for that three game arc, that mm. that story arc. But you know, EA is not going to do that. It is right. not going to let a big franchise die. They're going to make another one. They've just announced it. What should they do? They should not call it Mass Effect. They should make another science but fiction gonna, space Matt, game. But they're going to, Matt. But they're going to. What should they do? I don't know. I don't have any ideas for them. Really? Like, that, like I have no idea what you do with that world to make it interesting again. Like, well, I, I think guess- the first. I think the first thing is what you said is make the game about people and about human interaction yeah, and, the, and how humans react to strife and other. I mean, they're, they're trying to do that in Mass Effect Andromeda. There's just no interesting stakes to it. Like I don't yep. care about uh, whatever the name of the main character was and their father and the brother or what. Like I don't even remember anyone's name from that. I can name you specific side conversations I overheard in the Citadel Marketplace from like <laughs> Mass Effect Three, and right. I. Can't tell you what the name of the main character in Andromeda is. Like, there's <laughs> your true. fucking problem right there. Yeah, and yeah. like it's you know it's like I don't know. Like I don't know what like the story. I guess you could go back and do a prequel about the Turian human war, but like we already know how that turns out. So what's the point? Um, that was, I guess you'd star probably star Anderson in that. Um, the guy, you know, the guy, the the admiral that you're working for at the beginning of Mass Effect One. Um, I don't know where you go for a sequel because you have to take into account that the players will have chosen one of your three colors and those are all three very different status quos at the end. Um, and if you make one of them canon, you kind of defeat the purpose of the the chosen ending thing in Mass Effect. I mean, I guess you could because who gives a shit at this point? Um, <coughs> most of our Mass Effect fans are not going to consider a new Mass Effect uh, relevant anyway. So I guess you can kind of, you have the freedom to do that if you want. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I guess you could continue the Andromeda story and have the other races from the other sleeper ships finally show up because part of the problem with Mass Effect Andromeda is they took all the interesting aliens out of it. And yeah, they did. Because all the others were on like other ships that hadn't gotten there yet. Right. So you're just you're yeah. stuck with like Turians, Asari, <laughs> and Solarians. And you're like, oh, the three most boring races. could have chosen better. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's the, you know what will really get me on board, whether or not I even care about the story? Give me an Elcor crew member, you cowards. <laughs> um, the, the, the big, the big four-legged guys who, yeah. only, who speak, it's like, it's like, you know, sarcastic comment. I don't think that's going to work. Like, no, I, no, give no, me that's a, a way to make this story more board. engaging. <laughs> no, but it would make me, it would make me laugh. And that would be better. You get, give me an Elcor crew member and a Hanar crew member. The Hanar that's are the jellyfish one. that won't talk about, that won't use personal pronouns. Um, all, you, 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 they lost a lot of the, the sparkle of the, of the world by removing those aliens and not having it something to continue to be discovered. And then when you get to the other galaxy, there's only one new group of aliens. Yep. And they're all basically just Klingons. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's such an like, uninspired thing. Yep. And like, that's the main thing is like you need to come up with reasons to make another game that isn't we think people will buy this. Yeah. So... Now, obviously, a lot of you guys remember, I liked Andromeda. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Um, Matt didn't like it really at all. Um, I liked I the gameplay. Yeah, he liked the combat, good. but not the rest of it. Um, and then some people are saying uh, Andromeda won best story in the series, uh, but obviously the gunplay is kind of crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're like, just looking at the story, I guess the first one does hold up. Um, first, one, I mean, the first one is the strongest like three act structure. Yeah. Um, the first one, and it has the strongest villain because Saren is an understandable and relatable antagonist, whereas like the elusive man is more of sort of a 
puppeteer thing, which isn't as direct and sort of on your side, sort of not. And then by the third one, you're up against the so sovereign and harbinger and like, um, they're much more esoteric because you're never really face to face with them except in like kind of weird boss battles. Um, so Saren is sort of the most compelling antagonist, I think, of the series. Um, but I do think Mass Effect 2 is is the most interesting storytelling because it is basically a short story collection of a bunch of character-driven like side stories that kind of congeal to form a full collection. Like that's the thing is like the suicide mission and the and the the bookends of the human reaper thing are like just incidental. Like they're not really that like the the end boss of Mass Effect 2 being dumb doesn't really impact Mass Effect too much because none of that's the point. The point right. is to bond with all these crew members. Yeah. Which is what finale. makes which is actually, I think, because I had a friend who, who has played through the, the, the Mass Effect games uh, for the first time. This Currently, still playing. She's still playing Mass Effect 2. And um, she kind of hates them. Dragon Age fan hates, hates Mass Effect for many reasons. The Dragon Age also has the same flaws, but I guess if you have a sword instead of a laser gun, it's more... <laughs> it makes a know. difference. <laughs> um, but like... Uh, like she, you know, she'd heard from, you know, all the fans and everything about how much everybody loves Garrus. And mm -hmm. she, for playing the Mass Effect, Mass Effect 1, she's like, I don't understand the Garrus fandom thing. I don't get it. And I'm like, I will say this. Uh, neither did I until after <laughs> Mass Effect 2. Like Mass Effect 2, I remember when I first played Mass Effect 2 and Garrus showed up as one of the crew members. I'm like, really? Him? Like you brought him back? I don't get it. And by the end of Mass Effect Two, Garrus is my fucking bro. Like, yeah. and back to Mass Effect One, and I love him. But Garrus doesn't really do much in Mass Effect One. The, the Mass Effect One does very little to make you love your crew, and uh, outside of being generally likable, except for the one racist girl. And um, the uh, and then two bonds you with these characters in a way that one just never even attempts, and three sort of like knows that and runs with it. So by the end of the Citadel DLC, everybody's in tears, and it's great. Yep. Lots of people in chat bringing up Frostbite. <laughs> Frostbite is a problem. The engine that Andromeda was built on um, that has been notorious for a lot of bugs in pretty much every game that's been built on it. Um, so I am hope that is one thing I would hope for for the next Mass Effect is they get away from the Frostbite engine. Yeah, go back to Unreal. Like Unreal yep. was what the first, yeah, the first were done on and were Unreal. All was of the them third were. One Unreal? All of them were. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if they had changed a Frostbite for three or not. They no, did. All of them were Unreal. Okay. Yeah, go back. <laughs> Please think, go back. <laughs> I think one. I think one was like Unreal two point five or something, uh -huh. and the others were three, or maybe it was okay. one was three, and the others were three point five. Like there was an upgrade in the Unreal Engine between one and two, which is part of the reason there was a big difference there. But um, yeah, they were all Unreal, and uh, it mattered. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Respawn insisted on using Unreal for Fallen Order. Um, it's yeah. just they're just better for what, what they're trying to do there. Yep. Uh, when do you think we're going to see the next uh, Mass Effect, Matt? 2023, oh, 2024? 20, 2024 would be my yeah. guess. Uh, Mass, uh, Dragon Age 4, I think, was is, 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 like, is 2022 yeah. at this point. What so, does it looking like? And uh, I would say this game probably has two more years beyond that. So, I mean, they're doing the thing they did again where they show the thing too early, or they announce it too early. Announced a long time. You remember this? I mean, this demo. I remember watching this demo like two years before it came out. We're like, what happened? Where is this game? And then it came out. Well, I mean, they put out done. a trailer for it. I mean, this is probably a good signpost to put down in the ground right now because they put out a trailer for Andromeda when they just said new Mass Effect and it was just like environmental shots. Yeah. And we had to use that trailer on Game Face for like the first year plus of Sifted's existence. Mm -hmm. Just these environmental pans for the next Mass Effect. 
Um, and then they slowly started unveiling stuff. So yeah, I'm guessing they follow the same plan here and we're not going to see the game, yeah, probably the teaser uh, until next year. And then the they're going to Elder Scrolls six it. Probably. Yep. Sadly. Uh, before we move on, I want to thank everybody who has subscribed via Twitch Prime. It's very important to us, uh, and it's a way that you can support us 100% for free and give us a free $2.50 every month. But you do have to resubscribe at twitch.tv slash games every month. Uh, Minority Games, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, I saw some at the beginning of the show. Tiny2K, thank you. Oh, and the chat just cut off. Crap, why does it do that? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it just cut it off. So I lost everybody who subscribed at the beginning of the show, unfortunately. But thank you. Anyway, if you guys did, I really appreciate it. All right, next up. Today, well, actually, I think it was yesterday. It's the 20th anniversary of Counter-Strike. Um, a legendary first-person shooter that probably should have never existed in the first place. Um, Matt, what are your fond memories of Counter-Strike, if you have any? Uh, I don't have any. I've played maybe five rounds of Counter-Strike. Really? You never got into it, despite how nope. huge it was. I don't care about competitive first-person shooters. Yeah, wow. I'm surprised to hear that. Um, so I was working at GameSpot, I think, when Counter-Strike came out. Yeah, I was. Um, and it just took over the office. Um, after work... You didn't if you you wouldn't leave. We'd all sit there mm. and we'd play Counter Strike for like four or five hours after work. And if you didn't, you were frowned upon, <laughs> oddly enough. Because I was like, "Look, bro, I need to go home and like play Banjo Tooie. It's like <laughs> eighty hours long. I can't stay here playing freaking Counter Strike." But it was gigantic. Like as soon as the bell hit to end the workday, everybody at Gamespot, every monitor had Counter Strike. Greg Kasavin, Jeff Gerstmann, Ryan Davis, all of them. They all played it incessantly. Now, I did like Counter-Strike. And one thing I will say about it is it was very groundbreaking. I don't think people realize that this mod, which was created by just two dudes, that's the thing. This isn't even like an official Valve product. This is a mod that was created by a couple fans using the Half-Life engine. Um, and I'm going to name drop them because they deserve to be name dropped. It was Jess Cliff and Min Lee. They were the two guys who created Counter-Strike from a Half-Life mod, and it just started getting throughout the community, and it just went crazy, and then eventually Valve embraced it and ended up releasing it as official code. It's a really crazy story that doesn't really happen all that often anymore uh, in the games industry, and then it just became a sensation. And it was the first shooter that was five-on-five. Five. I think I'm remembering this correctly. The first shooter that was five-on-five, five, and I also think it was the first shooter where you, like choose your loadout mid-match as far as, and that was the thing that took me a while to get the hang of was buying weapons like during the match. I was playing like a lot of just the typical PC shooters at that point. I was playing a lot of tribes at that point. Um, and so this was a little bit different. I had been playing call of duty and some stuff like that in the past, but this was way different being able to like alter your loadout mid-match um, and being able to respond to what is happening in the match with, with your loadout at the time was groundbreaking. No game did that. Um, and now it's just, it's, you know, every shooter, you can change your loadout mid-round or whatever. Or most of them, you have to wait till you die a lot of times. But for the most part, you can pretty much just swap out your inventory. Again, that is something that Counter-Strike uh, initiated for the very first time. And you've just seen it trickle down into so many other shooters across the years. Um, the other thing I would say about Counter-Strike is, Matt, can you think of another shooter that has lasted 20 years? Um, Doom. 
The original sort of. Doom. Yeah. I could get behind that. Pe- people still play Quake 3, technically. Yeah. But I mean, as far as like Counter-Strike Global Offensive is one of the biggest esports in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did it survive, it thrived. Um, and, you know, they're still updating it. And they aren't updating. Well, I guess they are. Fans are still updating Doom. And actually, it is still updating Doom here and there as well. So that is a pretty good <coughs> analogy, I guess. But it's very hard to find another analogous game like Counter-Strike. It is a legend for a reason. Um, I had a lot of fun playing it. I did burn out on it eventually. I think I got to that apex where you got to put in a lot more work to get just a little bit better. And I think that's where I fell off. Mm. (laughs) And I think for most people, that's where they do fall off in competitive games. It's like, as long as you keep making progress and getting better, it's all good. It's when you hit that plateau and you realize you got to really bust your butt just for every little incremental increase in your skill that's what tends to turn a lot of people off the shooters. And that's what happened to me with Counter-Strike. But I still, every once in a while, will just fire it up. Like, it still runs. Like, if you have it installed or whatever, I still have the disc version of Counter-Strike. I still have a disc with a key of the original Counter-Strike, believe it or not. So um, it's pretty, it's a crazy story. It's a great story. Uh, the other thing I would say about it is that I feel like Valve, like, managed it perfectly because uh, it can get, sticky or dicey when you have fans creating content that you then end up turning into an official product that you release. Valve, as usual, handled it flawlessly. I think maybe that was the first time we saw Valve's corporate culture, to be perfectly honest with you, to see how they were going to handle stuff going forward. And now we're here 20 years later, and it was absolutely a harbinger of how Valve was going to treat its customers and its partners and everything else. So, Counter-Strike, a landmark first-person shooter. Uh, congratulations to the two founders. They must be sitting there being like, how did we do this? <laughs> like, hmm. We just messed around for a couple days and we created a phenomenon. And I, I hope that somehow, some way, Gaben and Valve has found a way to reward those guys. Because I'm sure whatever they got paid um, working on Half-Life or whatever they, they got paid working on the mod, it, it's a pittance compared to what they deserve. And somehow, some way, I hope that Valve and Gabe have uh, made them whole and rewarded them for their amazing idea and their great implementation of it. So I don't even know if a lot of people watching Game Face or that use Sifted, like, even played Counter-Strike. Like, the OG Counter-Strike. Now, the median age on the site is 37. Um, so I'm guessing a half maybe did, somewhere around there. Um, but it is a classic, and you can find it. I think it's even free now if you want to play it. In fact, right now in Counter-Strike Global Offensive, um, they have a map that makes Dust 2 look like it did back in the original. That's what you've been seeing the B-roll of while we've been discussing this. Mm. Um, So they are celebrating it as well uh, in Counter-Strike Go. Um, But just a landmark game, and anytime a game like this has a landmark anniversary, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to celebrate it. So there you go. Counter-Strike. Happy birthday. Happy 20th. Um, All right. Now it's time to talk about PlayStation 5. And I've been saying for two weeks now, all right, it's trickling in. We're running out of stuff to talk about. And next week, there won't be anything. And last week, I was a thousand percent sure of that. I was like, I'm going to get my PlayStation 5 on Tuesday morning. That's what I thought it was going to happen. And we don't have to worry about any of this stuff because we'll all have them. Well, I didn't get my PlayStation 5, but the embargo did break for the PlayStation 5 for a lot of journalists who got it early. And there has been so much stuff coming out, Matt, about PlayStation 5. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, a good bit of it is not good. Um, 
I don't know if this was strategic on Sony's part to kind of keep some of this stuff close to the vest so people wouldn't find out about it. But now that people have the hardware, there's yeah, really clear, no... Clearly, everybody was going to cancel that pre-order immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, after seeing the Xbox Series X lineup, maybe they're like, screw it. No one's going to cancel pre-orders for that. I don't know. Uh, but there's been a bunch of stuff that have come up since these reviews were put out. Some of it people discovered fiddling around with the hardware. Some of it people had questions about and asked Sony, and Sony finally replied. So we have a huge list of stuff to get through. Let's just get straight to it. It's going to take a little while. Uh, SSD hard drive stuff. There's a couple things that have happened this week that are departures from what we had assumed or known. Uh, the first is... The SSD expansion will not be available for PlayStation 5 at launch. So Matt talked a couple minutes ago about these SSD drives and how they have to be certified, and there aren't very many, and they're really expensive. Well, Sony is saying at launch that it is not going to really certify anything. And it's basically saying that as far as we're concerned, there are no compatible drives on the market yet. That is not good. Fans freaked out. They went crazy on Twitter. They're like you're doing a bait and switch, you're pulling the carpet out from underneath us, and then Sony responded by saying that it is currently looking into being able to at least store your PlayStation 5 games on a normal external hard drive. Um, not play them from that external mm -hmm. hard drive, but at least store them, which is better than what was before, but not by much, Matt. No, I mean, it helps if you have a slow connection or a data cap. Obviously, yeah, it's better than nothing, but it's just they're they're like it's not a fatal flaw, but like you're you're seeing that specter of the PS3s, like we got so wrapped up in the weird hardware gimmick that we forgot functionality is a thing mm -hmm. that the cell processor had. Obviously, not as bad, but it's like. Hey, like I, I get that you worked out the math that optimally this is how big the hard drive should be on this thing, but people need storage space. So maybe we'll put up with 14 milliseconds more load time if we can store 40 more games on it. You know, like, that would be a, I think a lot of people would make that trade off. Honestly. Yeah. Um, it's just I, I, I get that they, that, you know, Cerny and those guys optimized it for the size of the hard drive that it is, but like. I, I wonder what the trade-off is. If you if you put a three a two terabyte in there instead of the eight hundred and sixty gigabyte, what do you really lose? My my bigger issue is with games that are designed to use it, like Ratchet and mm -hmm. Clank Rift Apart. Like it could, that game could not be made without an SSD because it's able to, you know, you're basically just warping in and out of yeah. environments. And like it, you could make it, but you'd have to have load time between the portals. It would be like which would awful. Be, yeah. yeah, and they've clearly made that game with the fact that there is no load yeah. time between those things. In but mind. not many have, Matt. That's the thing. Like, no. most of them are just like, our load times are faster. Like, that's yeah. not a good enough reason to me for an SSD because of the things that it's taking away. Like, being able to store mm -hmm. more games on your console. I mean, the PlayStation 5, after you, the OS, you only have around 650 gigs. They just announced today, or yesterday, that on day one, Call of Duty... Black Ops Cold War, it's going to be 160 gigs on day one. This time next year, that game's going to be 300 gigs. That's half of your PlayStation 5 hard drive. So Sony, I don't know. I honestly would take a bigger hard drive over quicker load times. Uh, the jury is out for me yet on whether the game design paradigms are going to be worth the trade-off. If, mm. if every developer does stuff like Rift Apart, then hell yeah. 
But if they don't, but they're not because the Xbox can't run that. So, right. so they're only going to get that from exclusive first party Sony stuff. Yep. And was that worth it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think that until it's turning into a mess. I mean, this whole thing is turning into a mess. You can't expand your PS5 storage at launch. That's a problem. Uh, next up, we got some release dates finally of for four of the big, big and bigger ish games uh, that were shown off at first. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart coming. In early 2021, I think this is something that you and I kind of guessed was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so not a huge surprise there. Um, and it'll be good to get a game like that that does make full use of the PlayStation 5 hardware not quite so long into the console's life cycle. Yeah. Um, it, that would have been nice to have as a launch game. I think they kind of used Astro as a proxy as far as like a game that'll be like, look at the mm-hmm. stuff our new controller can do. Look at the other stuff our new console can do. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, I think, what Astro is there for. And like on one hand, you could kind of criticize uh, Xbox for not having something like that. But at the same time, what would they do? Rare would have made it, is my guess. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but also like, what would you be showing off? They say, right. hey, it loads faster. <laughs> You can you can quick resume. Oh no, I guess you can't. Uh, bye. Like that's the end of it. Yeah. Like, there's not much to really. It's just more powerful hardware. Whereas the PS5 has a few new tricks in it, um, and the and the controller is obviously a, a departure. Um, yeah. Which I still. I mean, maybe I'll get that. Understand that when I get it in my hands. Like right now, I'm just oh, like, what could you? What I could you possibly be doing? Uh, to be clear, I see Eth Demon is saying. Um, it needs an SSD, but as it doesn't need what the PS5 is doing, there's no reason Ratchet couldn't do what it's doing on an Xbox Series X SSD. Oh, of course, we know that. We're not we're not saying that that Ratchet can only run on PlayStation Five. I don't know where you're getting that from. Oh, because Cerny claims it, but like oh, uh, he does. Yeah, well, guess <laughs> their their claim is that the pipeline from the from the SSD to whatever to rest the hardware is optimized in some way in the PS5 that the Xbox isn't. Uh, and the, I don't the, believe the, that. The idea that you can, that you can stream <laughs> yeah. stuff faster on it, and that's why like Ratchet is possible. That's that was that was the pitch at that like GDC talk. No, I missed that somehow. Um, but that I don't seemed believe to be it. his. Impl- <laughs> he may not have come out right out and said it, but that would seem to be the implication to me uh, was that like they don't have this pipeline tech we're using. No, absolutely, Ratchet and Clank could run on Xbox Series X. It never will, but it could absolutely. And when I say. I'm looking to the developers to make use of the SSD. I wasn't just talking about PlayStation 5. I was talking about Xbox Series X as well. If the developers who are working on that system can't find cooler stuff than faster load times, then no, to me, it's not a worthy trade-off. But I'm hopeful that at at the very least, the first-party guys will, um, which will make the first-party stuff even more special and incentivize people even more to buy more than one console. So I guess if that ends up happening, it could be good for everyone. But we'll see. Uh, next up, the PlayStation 5. Oh, wait, I didn't go through the rest of the games. Uh, Gran Turismo 7, also coming out early 2021. Also, Matt and I, I think, I think we guessed that as well when we first mm-hmm. saw Gran Turismo. Uh, also, I think we got some cu- some clues. Maybe there was like a like a... ESRB thing that leaked or something for that year or release date on Amazon. I can't remember what, what it was, but we got a clue that it would not be that long. And as it turns out, it's not. It's coming in early 2021. Uh, well, that's Gran Turismo, so delays are not impossible. That's true. I mean, 
they're probably likely. <laughs> Let's be honest. Have they ever released a game on the first release date they announced? I don't know that uh, they ever have. I don't that, think they've that, ever released. I, I can't recall that happening, though. No. Maybe a spec at the launch of PlayStation 2? That wasn't the launch. That was well into that. It was, but I don't think it was ever delayed. I don't think it was supposed to be like a launch game. Maybe not. I mean, it, they had a bundle with the console and everything when it came out, so clearly that was planned. Um, yeah. But I don't remember. I think that might be the only one, though. I don't remember if that was supposed to be like earlier than it was. I, I don't remember that. I, 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 that's the bundle I bought. That's when I bought the PS2 ah. was for that. That's one of the few consoles I have not bought at launch. Okay. Um, so that's GT7, early 2021. And then Returnals, which is a game that's kind of on people's radar, that's also early 2021. I had actually forgotten about Returnals until <laughs> until I saw this story, and I was like, I'm surprised they even bothered to mention it. I went back and watched a trailer, and I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious about it just because it's Housemark. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, because I love Housemark, and I'm really concerned about the direction it's going in right now. So I am a little bit on edge about that game. And then finally, um, Horizon Forbidden West, late 2021. So that looks like it's going to be uh, PlayStation 5's big Q4 game for next year. I will probably be playing it a year from right now, actually, mm -hmm. is my guess. Um, again, something that we predicted already, Matt and I. We mm -hmm. both said that we thought that that would be the case, that that would be PlayStation 5's big Q4 game. I hope there are more. <laughs> I hope that's not the only one for Q4. Uh, but if it is, it's probably going to be a really good one. But yeah, so it's coming in Q4. So we have really now at least loose release date windows for pretty much all the big first party PlayStation 5 games that have been announced so far. Uh, next up, PlayStation 5 will not support 1440p natively. <laughs> um, and to us, this isn't a big deal because TVs do not display at 1440p. 1440p is typically a PC monitor uh, resolution. And a lot of people who maybe wanted to play their PlayStation 5 on a PC monitor are kind of pissed off because it's not going to happen. Uh, Sony, their, its response to this was the reason it decided to do it was because it wanted the PlayStation 5 to work on as many TVs as possible. I don't believe that at all. Um, I think it's more likely that they just ran out of time to get that to work. I would not be surprised if it comes in a firmware update later on down the road. I just think it wasn't a priority for launch for PlayStation, but I do think eventually it'll come. Because it's certainly yeah. capable. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, it's just like there's so few people relatively that are going to yeah. want to run it at that. It's not... It'll be one of those things everyone's angry about now, but then when they actually fix it like six months ago or from now, like no one will care. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, one will be like, well, there that, it is. Everybody is a big word for that. It's, it's, it's a very small number of people that need, need want 1440. But I have, a, I have a 1440p PC monitor. It's all you really need at that distance from yeah. your face. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it, it's that's not going to hurt them. So why not? Yeah, they have bigger fish to fry right now, I'm sure. Yeah. And just getting everything done like, in the, in I also the standard feel like, resolutions. Matt, did we know this already? I feel like we knew this already. I don't know. When I was preparing for the show, I had deja vu hmm. at this topic. And so I didn't know if it was deja vu or if we had really said this before. Maybe not. Maybe it was deja vu. Um, I, that was the first time I had deja vu in like a year and a half. <laughs> it's really crazy. Mm -hmm. This came out of nowhere. Um, okay, here's more bad news, unfortunately. Uh, PlayStation Plus. We didn't really know what was happening with PlayStation Plus for PlayStation 5. We just assumed we're going to keep getting our free two games every month. I think some people were hopeful that those games would be PlayStation 5 games, although I think if you looked at it realistically, you would say they're probably going to be indie games for PlayStation 5. 
Uh, that has really not turned out to be the case. PlayStation announced this week that you will continue to get two free games, keeping in mind that that was chopped down recently uh, from a bigger number that we used to get. But you're going to continue getting two free games a month. And basically what Sony said was they're going to be mostly PlayStation 4 games with some PlayStation 5 games sprinkled in. So my translation for that is you'll get two or three PlayStation 5 games a year from PlayStation Plus, and the rest will be PS4 until they run out of options on PS4. And then they're going to be forced to start giving away PlayStation 5 games. Uh, does this bother you at all? Does it concern you, Matt, or is this what you expected? No, it's not, PlayStation Plus doesn't really factor into my main game stuff most of the time. Like, I don't even think about it. In terms of like, like, oh, what's the new free game? I don't care. Like, do you go get the free games every month? I usually do, but I don't remember the last time I actually played one. I don't either. I hardly ever play them. I always go get them. I do forget some months, and then I feel bad. <laughs> I don't know why? It's so dumb because it, at that minute, I could go to Twitch and I could see where they just gave me like fourteen free games. Like, mm. I shouldn't be sad about it. I just, it's like I'm. I feel like I'm leaving something on the table. I guess maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but generally, I do go grab them. Um, and but like you, I don't really play them. So, it, is it a big loss for me? It's not why I subscribe to PlayStation Plus. I think it is for a lot of people, though, um, that that's like a big reason why they subscribe. For me, it's not. Is I subscribe for PlayStation Plus just to play games online. That's pretty much it. And to have the social network there and all that stuff and be able to chat with you guys or invite you to games, all that kind of stuff. That's why I have PlayStation Plus. The extra games to me were just always kind of a bonus. And that has worn off as time has gone on. When this stuff first launched, like games with gold and everything, I was like, oh my gosh. But times have changed so much, Matt, since then. Like that used to be the only place you were getting free games. Now... If you do Twitch Prime and subscribe to Sifted at twitch.tv slash siftedgames, you get tons of free games every month, like 10 sometimes. And then mm. you go over to Epic Game Store and you're getting like three free games a week from there. So the, the allure of the free video game has fallen drastically over the last like five years because I have too many to ever play. I could never mm -hmm. finish the games I own right now before I died. I couldn't. Just math will tell you that. So yep. I agree with you. Like, I feel like it's the law of diminishing returns has really kicked in for this. I do feel like Sony figured that out a while ago and was like, yeah, people are going to complain that we took games away from them for like a month and then they won't care. And that's pretty much exactly what has happened. Um, now, here's something that may convince even people like me that there's more value to PlayStation Plus than just playing online. And that is on PlayStation 5, you cannot back up your saves unless you have PlayStation Plus. Mm -hmm. You have to be a subscriber to PlayStation Plus. The only way to back up your saves now on PlayStation 5 is on the cloud. You can't back them up to like a thumb drive or an external drive or anything anymore. So it you're taking a page out of Nintendo's playbook. Yep, they did, which is surprising to me and disappointing to me as well. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. This to me is the bigger deal than the free games. Um, you're basically forcing people to pay to cover their ass like mm -hmm. no that should be free you should be covering our ass playstation for free we just gave you 500 and some dollars for your hardware and now we have to be cops like that's just wrong um i i have a feeling this is gonna get changed um i don't think people realize it just yet it's a small story that isn't really making the rounds i think once people get their playstation fives and they start tinkering around with it and they start to realize something like this is taking place 
that's when I think you're going to see the backlash. But it's bad. That's bad policy. That's a bad idea. I have no mm -hmm. idea why Sony decided to do this. Why would it change it from the PlayStation 4? It works great. It works I perfect. Know. I don't get it. Like, I, don't even, I don't even have a theory on this one. Me either. I cannot think of a single reason why they why Sony would do this. None. Maybe the chat can help us out here. Um, oh, and Erebus Jones points out, and they delete your saves if your sub lapses for longer than six months. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for bringing that up. That is awful. Awful. What if you lose your job and you have to like unsubscribe and then you lose like your save for like God of War or Assassin's Creed, like a hundred hours of your life just gone? It's so bad. I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea why they're doing this. I think that they will do an about face on this and change their stance unless there's some kind of technical thing that they set up with PlayStation 5 that makes it infeasible. And if that's the case, that was really freaking stupid. Yeah, I just don't I don't see where why that would not be possible. Like clearly there's USB drive slots on it. Clearly it can read USB yes. drives like but the I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't get it. Unless it's just a play for more money from PlayStation Plus, which is possible. But it seems like why would you bother? I mean, I subscribe. One of the main reasons I subscribe to PlayStation Plus is for the cloud saves because it's e it's easier, more convenient yeah. than sticking a USB drive in a thing every once in a while. Yeah. Um. So it works on me, I guess. But it's like it's just why why strong arm like that? It doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. People in chat are bringing up. Maybe uh, Vincent says it helps stop hacking. Yeah. And then Mike's Q says uh, the USB saves might be to prevent save file sharing. I get, but who cares? But the, like, can you do that on PlayStation Four? Like, can I? Can you come over with like a thumb drive and take my saves and go home and use my saves? I didn't I don't think you think could so. do that. I think they're tied I to your the saves account. Are tied to your yeah. I don't think that's the thing. No, that's, I mean I'm sure maybe Homebrew has a way around that, but again, this right. ties into the lack of hacking thing. But I don't. <laughs> that doesn't who, count. Who cares? Like in comparison to the number of people that are going to do that versus the number of people who just want to back their shit up, like who cares? Like it's yeah, it's it's uh, very and we and, we, and of course we learned that like yes, you it is indeed possible to do the save transfer to PS5 because of the Spider-Man thing. Yep. So Absolutely. a lot of things they've said aren't possible have turned out to be possible. They tried to put it out there that it wasn't possible to let themselves off the hook from having to yeah. deal with it going forward. But they're, when you're working with third parties and partners, man, sometimes the cat gets let out of the bag and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so anyway, PlayStation Plus looking a little dicey for PlayStation 5, unfortunately. Um, and then here's a, I told you there's so much that happened this week. Here's another one. So someone found out this week they tried to play The Last Guardian backwards compatible on PlayStation 5, and they discovered that if they played the digital version of the game, it would only run at 30 frames per second. If they played the disc version of the game, the game would run at 60 frames per second. And so what's happened is, is that they ended up patching The Last Guardian from what's on the disc version, like pretty much every game. And when they did that, they took out the variable refresh rate and locked the frame rate at 30. So the disc version, the code on the disc, has the unlocked frame rate. The download version has the locked frame rate. So the only way to play The Last Guardian at 60 frames per second on PlayStation 5 <laughs> is to play the disc version of the game. It's Un until they patch it and uncap the frame rate. Which is a pretty simple. Which fix. could happen. They could absolutely um, do that. Yeah. But uh, and of course, the downside is you are playing the unpatched disc version, right? Which it is riddled with issues. bugs and has at least two game breakers in it. So <laughs> there's no real ideal solution here. It's it's just crazy um, the stuff my that guess we're is, talking about. Like we. Well, my guess is because about this kind of stuff seven years ago. Well, yeah, because nobody cared. 
Um, and like, well, it just I, wasn't possible. You didn't have consoles that allowed you to unlock refresh rates and run them at full mm -hmm. bore like we do now. It's just nuts. It's just, uh, you know, it, I mean, this is just part, I think, of the whole, there's so many, there's so many balls in the air on the backwards compatibility thing. And it really feels like Sony got to it late. Yeah. That, like, this is just one of those things that I'm sure nobody even thought about. It's crazy. Um, I think you will see some patches to uncap some frame rates and some of these things on both of the systems. Like, uh, the Tomb Raider games are also capped at 30. Um, so that, you know, and, and you can see it like on Xbox Series X and PS5, like Rise of the Tomb Raider runs at a solid 30 as opposed to sort of an unsteady 30 on the other systems, yeah. the old systems. But like, I, you know, obviously you could probably run it at 60 on the new systems, and I'm sure there'll probably be a patch for that coming up. Uh, same with, uh, like, maybe not for but the Batman Arkham games are capped at 30. Um, except Arkham Asylum and the Return to Arkham collection is capped at 45, which is bizarre. Uh, I would be interested to see if they if we get a patch for those uh, at some point because Warner Brothers is not the most responsive to things. Um, Halo that's, Star that's an ongoing problem. You know, Bloodborne, I think, has the same problem. I think Bloodborne is stuck at 30 as well um, because they capped that was capped. So a lot of these games that people are clamoring to play on backwards compatibility, you won't see the frame rate bump unless they're not capped. On, and like to uncap them, you need to like actually do a patch for them. And the question becomes like, will developers Is spend the time it? and money for it for most developers no it's not worth it they're like bro it's lock at 30 deal with it <laughs> like it's just not gonna happen yeah, like the high profile ones i can see happening this i, I feel first like party stuff maybe first party like, stuff the last guardian i could see because it's playstation's ass on yeah. the line although for blast guardian my feeling is like the reason the last guardian patch would happen is because people noticed it and like, if no one had like brought it up, if it hadn't been like a launch week news story, I bet no one it would, it no. would not get patched. No, definitely not. And that's the only way this is going to happen. Because how that's many people are really going to go back and play The Last Guardian again? Right. This I, is why I, I probably press, wouldn't. Though, because the press brings stuff like this mm -hmm. up and it gets fixed because they make a stink out of it. You know what? I I kept thinking about like the you know because all these outlets are going through these like digital foundries going through all these and like testing all these games and all i could think about was like being back at g4 or whatever and like if we had been doing that like they would have said we were w wasting time and we oh, weren't yeah. producing anything no absolutely and i'm just like like that was part of the problem then was like it's like no this is part of it like if and you, we'd be i'd be like if we find you know in, the, in you know the the situations were not parallel because there were different things we were working on but i was like if we find it if something in here we find is indeed relevant that will get picked up by everyone and we will get tons of exposure and that is good for us. And yeah. just, there was no foresight in that. I, for, for some reason, all these people that, that I can see, these outlets are spending hours and hours and hours. And that's one of their primary, like primary objectives this week is to test all these things and see if there's something interesting or wrong or something worth talking about in them. And they are finding some stuff. And like, it just, it just struck me like, you know, it's kind of a non sequitur, but it just struck me as like, if we'd tried to do that at G4 back in the day, they, <laughs> the, the management would have been like, well, stop wasting your time playing video games and make television. Yeah. And it was just like, that was one of those things where it's nice, just nice to see that there are some outlets that recognize what their, what their goals and responsibilities should be. Yep. Uh, Hail to Starscream says that, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity also has the same issue as last Yes. Uh, Assassin's Creed Unity has actually been held up by um, by Digital Foundry because it runs at 60 on Xbox Series X, Xbox Series X but only on the disc. It's, yep. it's one of the... It was <laughs> patched later. Again, just stuff that we're running into that... You know, five years ago, I never guessed we'd be dealing with when we're talking about And again, console. with Unity, if you're playing from the disc, you're playing a horribly unpatched buggy version of yeah. it, so it doesn't really help you. Um, so hopefully we'll get something stuff. there. This is stuff that if you're a PC gamer, you've been talking about dealing with for decades. Yeah. 
Um, but for those of you who only console game, this is like a whole new language that you guys are learning. Yeah, it's, it's even it's even not even that, but it's like PC can be stuff. It's like, oh, this game doesn't work now on your new system because it doesn't like this particular driver for this sound chip, and that doesn't. Yeah. It's like it's uh, it's a. Pain. It's not quite as bad, but it's the same kind of aesthetic, the same rigmarole. It's the less- same thing where it's like, yes, well, the reason you're having problems with this is not your fault. Right. It's, yeah, it's that's a good way to de- put it. Yeah. <laughs> it's some decision fault. someone else made, and you can't do anything about it because it's updated, and now you're stuck. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see what's next. Again, just the stories keep rolling in. Uh, here's a really cool one. Here's good news. We need some of this. It seems like it's been all Debbie Downer on PS5 so far. Here's a good one. Remote play is going to work with the PS4. So you can remotely play your PlayStation 5 with your PlayStation 4. Now, people may be sitting there saying, why? Why would anybody want to do that? Because remote play so far has been shown with Vita. Um, You could connect your Vita. um, You could be out and about with your Vita. As long as your console was turned on back at home and connected to uh, Wi-Fi or Ethernet, you could play your PlayStation 4 on your Vita. Um, if you, if so, you also were in a robust right. Wi-Fi and that situation. Was the, the, right. You needed good Wi-Fi wherever you were with your Vita for it to even be playable, to be honest with you. Now, you may be asking, okay, that makes sense for Vita because you're out. It's a handheld. You're out on the go. You're doing your thing. You can play your PS4 games while you're out running around. Why would you want to use your PS4 to play your PS5? Well, let's say that you have a vacation house or you have a friend or a relative or your brother goes away to college and you have a ps4 and a ps5 and he wants to play ps5 games he can take the ps4 with him to college and play the ps5 games with his ps4 on his ps5 that's sitting at his parents house so it is a limited case or limited use case until you come in and turn it off and play your own game on ps5 right right (laughs) absolutely go study (laughs) no ultimately you're the one in control of what what they can and cannot do but there is some reason for this functionality um it basically gives you a second playstation 5 without having to buy another one if you already own a ps4 um so to me that's a pretty big deal just like remote play in general it will be used by like one half of one percent of users of the platform uh, but for those people, I think that they will really appreciate it. And I think it is a pretty cool piece of tech. Um, so good to see that Sony has brought remote play forward to PlayStation 5, although they have said nothing about the Vita, Matt. Vita means life. <laughs> or death in this case. <laughs> like, you would think they'd be like, oh, yeah, and you can use your Vita too to play PS5 games on the go. But no, they have not said anything about it yet. So don't throw away your Vita or sell it just yet. Uh, that is some information that could be coming down the pipe because it just makes too much sense. If you're doing it with PS4, do it with the Vita. But as of right now, they have not announced anything, so who knows if it's going to show up or not. Uh, next, again, they just keep coming. Um, report two, two stories by Bloomberg this week. Big ones. The first one was that Sony considered pricing its games over $70, Matt. So, in some ways, everyone should be a little happy that Take-Two came out first with a $70 game. <clears throat> and the response from consumers was not okay. Um, it wasn't as negative as I thought it would be, but it also wasn't like, rah, rah, that's cool, we want to give you more money. And so I'm wondering if Sony watching the response to Take-Two's price increase was like, okay, we can only go 70 That's kind of the max we can go. Um, which still sucks that games are going to cost ten more dollars, um, first party games. But it sounds like it could have been worse. What would have happened if Sony had like said seventy five or eighty? Do you think that would have been like 
a deal breaker? Like a, as far as people being like, okay, well, I'm buying Series X then. Do you think that could have given Microsoft a big enough of a competitive advantage if they kept their prices at sixty? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't think they ever would have because clearly, like, not, in addition to t- Take Two, the reaction to Take Two, I'm sure they have internal market research that Veterans, shows yeah. how people react to things. But like eighty, like you're creeping up on a on a on a hundred dollars, and like that's a real tough sell at that point. Like sixty is sort of like you know we're used to it. Seventy's like ah, it's only ten. Twenty dollar jump, like you're up in the sort of the deluxe version prices now. It's which too big of a jump at once, I think. Yeah, it's like if at ten dollars you can say to yourself, you know what, I'm cool giving an extra ten dollars to the developers, even though they'll get a very right. small fraction of it. You can still internally say, you know what, this extra ten bucks, if the developers get some of it, I'm okay with it because this game, I love this game, is gigantic. I can't imagine the amount of work that went into it. So here's ten bucks. But when you get over that. That's where your conscience yeah. won't override your. But well, also, like it's just like I think you have a ceiling on how much these things can cost until uh, the minimum wage raises in, in the U.S. Like it's yep. you know it's, it's one thing it's you know and, and there's the inflation issue and like but part of the inflation issue is related to how much people get paid and that was related to the minimum wage. So like yep. we talk about how like okay back in the day when Fantasy Star Four came out I paid a hundred dollars for it and the amount and like that was like ninety three or ninety four. Um, and the, uh, the, the, today that a hundred dollars in 1994 now would be something more like 160 or 170 in 2020 dollars. Um, but also a, a factor of that is how far the dollar goes. So like part of the things like, okay, you're looking at like a $50 game, not super horrible if you're making like, you know, 10 bucks an hour, but if you up, up the minimum wage to match inflation where you're more like 20, $21 an hour, all of a sudden that $70 game doesn't seem that bad, does it? <laughs> but that is not going to happen. In fact, we will be very lucky if Biden can get $15 minimum wage passed mm-hmm. through a Republican Senate. Uh, that is an interesting question because, um, A, there may not be a Republican Senate if we play our cards right in Chances Georgia. Chances are, but it Second, probably is I don't know. I think they both got a good shot. Don't underestimate Stacey Abrams. But anyway, um, even in uh, Florida, which went heavily Republican, they still passed a measure for a $15 minimum wage, like kind of yeah, like the way we have propositions in California. Yeah. They passed that like by overwhelmingly, like hugely. Yeah, yeah, so clearly yeah. tons of people who voted for conservative candidates also voted to raise the minimum wage. So that is not a deal breaker issue for conservative voters in America. Um, so I think I think we'll see that. But the problem is <laughs> Mitch McConnell is a whole different story. Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell is is a non. He's not a voter, Matt. He is not. A, but if you have to do it state by state, you do it state <clears> by state. <throat> but that is the mo- movement that needs to, I think to happen before you can start raising the prices beyond like a seventy dollar price point. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. Also, keep in mind uh, that minimum wage hike in Florida doesn't take effect until twenty twenty two. Right. So, and it, as I it'll said, be a while. it's fifteen dollars. It's not yeah. twenty. It's not. It's not a, a cure all. It's not what it should be, but it's a step. Yeah. Um, but that is actually, I think, one of the big stumbling blocks to raising the price any further than they have with the seventy, like an eighty dollar game. If you're, if you, the majority of your audience is making around ten bucks an hour, is just not fee- like that's a full work day for one video game, and that is absurd. Yep. Uh, we got to keep rolling because there's more. There's more PlayStation 5. This is just from seven days since we last hung out with you guys. Um, let's see. Uh, the other story from Bloomberg. Uh, Sony is focusing most of its marketing dollars and advertising dollars on the U.S. market. It has basically decided to allow Nintendo to have Japan. And that was pretty much in the story from Bloomberg was that PlayStation is just like Nintendo's got it. Like, we can't compete with Nintendo anymore, so we're going to just focus on 
the Western markets. And so PlayStation is putting a lot of its money in the US, in Canada, and Europe. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Xbox has moved towards Japan. Oddly enough, it, it has not given up on Japan It just this week. Phil Spencer said, yeah, we're looking at more acquisitions and from Japan. We're looking at trying to get studios from Japan to make games for that market. Matt, is this a fool's errand or is, is PlayStation in making the right choice here? It's very important to know when you've lost. You got to know when and, to fold them. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, this week more than ever, but um, <laughs> the uh, the thing I mean, look, buying Japanese game developers is not going to be a net negative for Microsoft. Like those games can still do well for them places other than Japan, yeah, so that's sure, not yeah. a horrible move. Just to give some diversity and variety in their in their stable. Like I'm in favor of that. Believing that you will suddenly this time no really make headway in Japan with the Xbox feels a little silly it it's it feels like something you're telling the stockholders to sort of explain why you're trying to buy these developers overseas uh, when really you, when really you yeah. just want to make it more of a more of a, a, a overall purchase vincent is saying that today phil rebuked those reports in a new interview mm-hmm. about japan specifically he said that I don't know. Maybe he said that he was misquoted. I don't know. But he's now saying, no, that that's not the case. They're not looking for Japanese developers. And I think that's smart. I'll be honest with you. If you look at the best-selling games from the last Mm -hmm. 20 years, not a whole lot of them are from Japan. Let's just be honest. Other than Nintendo. Right. Um, I I mean, I I admit when they they say, you know, when that quote came around, I'm like, I don't know who they're talking about. Yeah. I know they're not talking about Platinum. (laughs) I think a lot of people are afraid it's from software. Hmm. Which would be probably the one smart target, if I can. I don't know. I, they're already owned by Capcom. You're not. They're already owned by a big conglomerate. I don't think you could pry from software away from them. Like, you or have, if you, it is a big conglomerate, a lot of times those conglomerates, when they diversify, they do that, and then they don't get the returns they want, and then they want to go back to their core business. So, yeah, I don't possible, think from software would fall into that uh, category, though. Yeah, like, they're profitable and. Yeah, at least I think they are. I think you'd have you'd have to buy the whole conglomerate. I don't think they only do video game stuff. I think you'd suddenly find yourself stuck never in happened. a very weird <laughs> area where you. If that's you, the case, you own a chain happen. of supermarkets or something in Japan, and you're like, "What are we doing with this?" Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't see that happening. I don't. I, it would it would have to be like a, a smaller independent gr- group, and I it's like plat- I mean, obviously I want platinum. They had a bad experience with Scalebound, and. Um, yeah. Like, I just don't know who they'd be after if they did that. I just think both of them should focus on the West. Like, neither one of them should be focusing a lot of money on Japan. Even if you win Japan, the the winnings, it's like this little pot. It's like, I hate to say it, you know, Japan is the cradle of gaming. And I will always have more respect for that territory than I can even really put into words. I'll never forget the first time I went to Japan. First time I walked down the streets of Akihabara. Just the feeling that I had. Oh, yeah. But... They're irrelevant now. I mean, it's just too small. The market is not worth. Fi- it's like you don't campaign in Vermont. It's, yeah, it's exactly. too small, it's and to like you know, it. you yeah. know where it's going, and it's you know just like why? You know, it's a waste of money. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's a, a great analogy and timely. I would add. So, if that's true, that Microsoft has decided that it's going to pull back and not pursue Japan either by acquiring a studio or just pushing Xbox Series X there, that's a smart move. They corrected in the right direction. Uh, and like, how do you compete with Nintendo anyway? 
yeah. in that, in that you arena. Can't, you're not going to buy Nintendo. That's not going to happen. So no. there's no solution there anyway. Uh, next, 8K resolution coming in an, an update very soon for PlayStation 5. Do we need it? About the same number of people that need that 1440p. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, I can't even imagine what an 8K game would look like that could run. I mean, it's literally like, what's that game where you, that platformer, like where you play as a ball, like the impossible, whatever. That's the type of game mm. that could run at 8K at like a decent frame yeah. rate. Or like Thomas was, was alone. Right. He'd probably Stuff run like at that. 8K. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Pong. we're talking about at 8K. 8K Pong. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, if, even Solitaire may struggle to run at a solid frame rate. It's like photorealistic <laughs> paddles That's what, in Pong. That's what it will be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's coming, but not, no developers are going to really make use of it. It's a non-story. Yeah. It's, it's a future proof for probably movie playback, I would think. Yeah. Yep, and uh, and then as I mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of journalists who have the PS5 already have been saying the download speeds are like lightning quick, not like quicker, like download a full-fledged AAA game in like three or four minutes quicker. Hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, that'd be nice. Like, I mean, uh, PlayStation has always had slower downloads for me than Xbox in general. Like I get, me too. You know, Sometimes like three times as fast from Xbox, and so and like my, like PlayStation will just sort of like settle at like this really low download speed. Sometimes and I can't, you know, you pause it and resume it or whatever, and it doesn't do anything. It's, it's just like sitting there like thirty four meg- megabits a second, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like it's not, it's 2020. Like this is like DSL speed. Like what are you doing? And um, whereas like Microsoft, like like average is like 120, 150. Like yeah. it's it's. Uh, a night and day difference. Like, you know, the one, another nice thing about having Assassin's Creed and them having to re-download them on the on the Series X was like, you know, Assassin's Creed is like forty five gigs and was done in like twenty minutes. Like it's yeah. it's, but like if the PlayStation can do it faster, great. Hilda Starscream brings up another good point. You're knocking it out of the out of the park today in chat, Starscream. By the way, uh, he says they put that 8K logo on the packaging, yet it is even capable capable <laughs> of it at launch. And he's right; the box has yeah. a big 8K thing right on it, like 8K asterisk one day, <laughs> <laughs> one day, a dot dot dot, one day in a world. <laughs> uh, and then the final update, finally we've got to the end. I told you guys there was so much stuff happening with PlayStation 5 this week. The final update is that more DualSense colors are coming. Um, and we mentioned we of course. And we've mentioned before that uh, there's a shell on the DualSense that you're able to snap off and replace. So I don't know if they're going to sell those or if they're going to sell entire controllers with different colored skins on them. I don't know. Probably both. Probably both. Yeah, so that would be my guess. Like licensed skins from various things, and then like if you want kind of standard colors, I bet you have to buy the controller. Yep, the probably. Um, but anyway, more colors are on the way. I just want black. Just give give me black shells for the console and a black controller. I'm good. That's all I'm looking for. And that's it, people. That's it. I pick up my PlayStation Five at six a.m. Pacific tomorrow morning, and it is on like Donkey Kong. Um, I have a plan for what I'm going to do with my PS5 when I get it. Uh, so stay tuned to the site and our Patreon over the next few days. I'm not going to be waiting until a week from today to do some coverage for PlayStation 5. So keep your eyes peeled at sifted.net or patreon.com slash sifted. But until tomorrow morning, that's it. We finally reached the end of the preview road for PlayStation 5. You guys should know everything at this point. If you haven't got one already, you should know whether you want one or not. 
Um, there's so much information out there. And that is one thing and that hopefully think, you didn't decide that you want one because you're not going to get one. <laughs> eh, I mean, there's four windows on tomorrow on Best Buy, I believe, and GameStop to get one. Um, you're not able to walk into stores tomorrow to get them, but there are going to be more uh, online pre-order windows opening tomorrow. So go look on Sifted and just use any of the navigation to get to our deals channel, and it's all right there. Every retailer, exactly how many windows they have, exactly how much time there is. If you're looking for a PS5 and you're dedicated and you use Sifted, I think you'll be able to get one. So I think, anyway, I think there will be uh, also two more refreshes before Christmas. I think there'll be one around yeah. the week of Thanksgiving and the one like probably the second week of December. Sir Spider says he just picked his up. He must hmm. be in Japan. I don't know. Shouldn't be on sale yet. You shouldn't have got it yet, unless you got. They just sent it to you early from Amazon or something. Know, some and, stuff might have, might have come in early. That's, that's possible. That happens. Yep. So anyway, that's it for PlayStation Five. Uh, that's the last preview segment we'll ever do on the console. From now on, it's all analysis based upon hard evidence, which is how we like it here on Game Face. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about Take Two. Uh, we actually just kind of mentioned them because they were the first publisher to jack up the cost of games to $70. Now, Matt, we gave them some heat for this, and a lot of people have. Now, one thing I will say is that the first game that they're selling for $70 is NBA 2K21. And that game for next gen actually has tons of updates and improvements. There are features and other things in the next-gen versions that are not in the last-gen versions. If they keep doing stuff like that, that extra 10 bucks makes more sense. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still not cool with it, but it makes sense. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there to support Take-Two a little bit because we do go after Take-Two a lot on Game Face, and for good reason. We don't do it without reason. Um, but this week, some more kind of good news. It's what we're going to try to figure out. Is it Take-Two bought Codemasters, um, as we used to call them back in the day, in the early days of games journalism, Codies is what they were always called. Uh, they are a publisher from Europe, and they 99% of the time publish racing slash driving games. That's pretty much what Codemasters does. It wasn't always that way, but it has kind of settled into that over the last like 10 to 15 years. It, Codemasters used to release games in every genre. They were never very yeah. good, but they they always release games in other genres. Now they're just they a, were a, a, a dyed in the wool B-lister. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So what is this play, Matt? What's the play now? Why would Take Two buy a driving game publisher? Now I look, I get it. <clears throat> Grand Theft Auto, a driving game kind of ish. A lot I, of Take Two's open world stuff has driving in it, and they have like Midnight Club. Is this? Are they trying to find people to finally create the next big night club so Pac will finally be right? <laughs> Could be. Do you I mean, remember? I, I think the first ever episode of Pactor Factor, he said that the next game from Rockstar was going to be Midnight Club. And here we are <laughs> six years later, and there's still no Midnight Club. So do you think maybe that they got Codemasters to keep that franchise going? Maybe. I mean, it seems like a weird thing to... Keep on oh, life support dude, that long. A, also, I should have added, they spent a billion dollars with a B for Codemasters, which to me is insane. I would never pay a billion dollars for Codemasters. You can look at their sales. They have dirt. They have like F1. Those games sell okay in Europe. They sell terrible here. I I, I don't know what they're doing. But anyway, continue, Matt. I don't know. They're I mean, paying for expertise, maybe. 
um, paying to, to make sure everybody stays for a while. Like, I don't stays know. Like, where? Stays with them. That doesn't like get paid out and leave because they want the people that, you know, it sounds like they're buying, they're buying the people as well as the, the brands. Um, so I guess they want something out of it. I mean, it could be Midnight Club. It could be, it could be like input on the the driving and the race stuff in a new GTA. Like I don't, I don't know. I would hope that they're way past that stage for the next GTA. Uh, it may, I may be wrong, but I would hope that GTA GTA Six is past that. GTA Six is so many years away. My, That's my sweet summer child. It's so absurd. I'll, I'll I'll see you for GTA Six when we're playing Elder Scrolls Six. I'll be like dead before GTA Six comes be, out. Uh, apparently, it's gonna be a while. Oh, it's crazy. But um, I guess I mean, new Midnight Club is possible, but... What else? What else could it be? I just, to me, this person... It could be something new. Idiotic. It could be, it could be. I don't know. We've heard all know, these rumors about Take-Two buying other studios that made way more sense than this. I just... Maybe they just, they want to really lean into the the kind of the F1 and, and rally stuff and like corner some kind of market in Europe with it. I don't know. I, I don't know what the plan is here that would justify a billion dollars. I, I can't, I don't understand it at all. Um, unless, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that is a hole for Take-Two. They have no driving games, but Matt, the other problem is- Tons is of companies have no driving games though, because that's not relevant. Because nobody buys them. Look at like the last couple driving games that were like big like releases. They're, they all tanked. Like even like Evolution, their new game, which was great. I really liked their new racing game when they finally broke away from MotorStorm. Nobody cared. It tanked. Like- I just, I don't get it at all, man. I don't understand why Take-Two would make this purchase. I just, I don't get it. Um, it's good for, I'm look, I'm happy for people who work at Codemasters because they just got some great job security. Well, the people who stay got job security. Mm -hmm. My guess is a lot of people will probably get laid off initially when they under, un uncover like a lot of redundancies across their orgs and stuff like that. So um, they're not like completely safe, but the people who do manage to last through the acquisition they're set. They'll be good. Um, so in that way, I'm happy for Codemasters and the people who work there. And I hope they get more resources and maybe a better engine to work with and all that stuff. But as far as the windfall from this for Take-Two, I have no idea what the... I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. So again, congratulations to the Codemasters folks. Uh, I'm sure they were just as surprised as we were, um, especially at the billion dollars. It's... I don't get it. But... There you go. Codemasters going to take two. The good news is they're, they're going to stay third party. So they weren't purchased by Nintendo or Microsoft or Sony. So you don't have to worry about their games being cordoned off to one platform going forward. They're going to continue to be multi-platform. And that's the good news. Um, and their games should get better. That's also the good news as they have more resources to work with at take two. All right. Next up, we have another special segment uh, that I pre-recorded this week with Vincent. He has been playing Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I have not because I don't have the time. Here's his report. Let's roll it. Hey everyone, so many games are coming out right now that Matt and I cannot play them all. So we've decided to enlist Vincent into the crew for Q4 to help us get through some of the big releases, and in this case, a demo. Vincent has been playing Hyrule Warriors. What is it? What's the crazy subtitle? Age Cala of Calamity. <laughs> Calamity something <laughs> or other, yeah. Age of Calamity, which the story in this, which is kind of crazy, is actually the prequel to Breath of the Wild. Vincent 
How much uh, of the game is in the demo and what they've shown you? Have you been able to figure out at all how it kind of links to Breath of the Wild? So the demo is the first chapter, which is two main missions and a couple mini missions. The opening cutscene shows the little baby guardian that's been like the one new character in all the trailers. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're at, I think it's basically right when the Hyrule is about to fall. They show Zelda holding up her hand to try to stop Ganon. Then little baby guardian just comes and I'm not exactly sure how, but a time portal appears. Baby guardian jumps into it. And then we're back to what seems like the start of the war. Not sure the exact start, but that there's a bunch so of enemies. It, the demo begins at the beginning of the game. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Okay, so you're playing the first however amount of time that they give you in the demo of the game. Yeah. And, yeah, but, and so you're the saying the cutscene, though, doesn't clearly explain the link? No pun intended. Yeah, the start of Hyrule Warriors goes from the basically... Right about where the Hyrule goes for the... This is hard to explain. I'm trying to... <laughs> but if you're making my point for me. It, it sounds I mean, like it at the beginning be it hard. doesn't really Basically lay it out. From the... You have to think about it, right? Maybe that's the point of the story is it explains yeah. how you get there. <laughs> that's what I was getting at. It shouldn't be that hard. It's right. just time portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll From be perfectly the... honest with you. There was a lot of parts of Breath of the Wild that just kind of went right over my head that I'm sure, like, hardcore, crazy Zelda fans were like, oh, my God, like, Easter egg. And I'm just like, okay, like, whatever. Yeah. And so I haven't they really don't... played it since, it since Breath of the Wild launched. I don't remember the specifics of the story Yeah, there. I don't either. Like, it's, I haven't played it since it launched either. Um, so, yeah, my memory of the game uh, is vague. For sure. I don't remember a ton of details, but I remember like the basic thrust of the plot and sort of the big plot points and obviously the ending and where everything was left. Um, So this is a different game. Instead of being an action adventure like the old Zelda games or an action RPG like the recent Zelda games, this is actually a hack and slash Musou game. uh, A lot like games like Dynasty Warriors, uh, Warriors Orochi, uh, things like that, and it's being developed by Koei Tecmo, and they obviously have a lot of experience with this genre because they are the publishers of Dynasty Warriors, arguably the most popular hack and slash on the planet. So my first question for you is, I don't think you have a lot of experience with this genre. How do you like it? I think it's fine. Yeah, it's it's a closer to Breath of the Wild than you actually think. Oh, you yeah? still have all of the powers and stuff okay but instead instead of trying instead of like doing things slowly you're mashing a lot of buttons doing attack combos so are you saying it's less the combat's less thoughtful is that what you're trying to say yeah okay there's still thought in it but and using the different powers at different times using the right combos to do the most damage dodging enemies and inflicting weak points when thing when their weaknesses show up, all that kind of stuff. And so there are specific attacks to use on the weak points, or you just you're just talking about in general you can use use any. There's attack. two ways to do it. There basically when you the when they do certain things, you'll they have a weakness. Like you have the Cryonis, the ice pillar power. Mm-hmm. What you can do is when an enemy charges you, you can use the ice power to jump up and dodge it, and then their weak point will come up. Okay, then you'll so get you're a circle. using your abilities to expose the weak points, not necessarily to punish the weak points once they're exposed. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. You use the ability, the weak point thing comes up. That's kind of interesting. 
you stun them for a second, and then you just wail away on them. How does do that work attack. when there's like a hundred enemies? Um, does it? You do don't it really to... need to worry about that for the for the tiny enemies. That's just for the bigger enemies. Oh, okay, so that only works. The tiny on the enemies guys. you just kill with one attack. You kill like fifty of them. Okay, gotcha. Um, and how how does the have you had a chance to play any co-op by any chance? Is there co-op? No, there is co-op. I see. There's a two-player mode. I think it's split screen. I don't believe it's online, but I am not 100% sure on that. That's a shame, because um, it would be cool. Have you seen any, so are you playing with like AI teammates in the game? You, yeah, the teammates are AI. There's basically two categories. There's a bunch of random soldiers that just, they're there mostly to slow the enemy down and get beaten so the enemies can, that you kill 50 at a time can actually seem a little powerful. Uh-huh. Then you have the other main characters. In the demo, there's three of them. You have Link, you have the young Impa, and then in the second mission, you get to play a Zelda. Oh, cool. And then you can switch between them at any time, at least in the missions that I've played. Okay, so you have access to all three characters at all times. Once you unlock them, at least in the two main missions. The okay. uh, side missions had only one character each, but you can choose it between any of them in the selection screen, I believe. How does that work with co-op play, I wonder? Uh, I'm just guessing if some if your co-op partner is already that character, it just disappears from the menu. A little strange to think about. I guess. You might be able to, like, if you have three characters, you might be able to have the two switch between them, but... Yep. Again, I'm not exactly sure how co-op works. Okay, so despite being able to switch through all the characters, there are also teammate eight controlled by the computer that fight along beside you, right? With a very loose definition of fight, <laughs> yes. And probably a very loose definition of AI as well, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, are there are there team-up attacks and things that you can do together, like on-screen prompts that are like, hey, let's team up? Not that I've seen. Oh, there are special attacks. Okay. Basically, if you kill a bunch of enemies, you can do one super attack that'll take down a bunch of enemies at once, even a big enemy in one shot, generally. So is it where you're like building up. a meter, and then it fills up, and then you can do yeah. it, and you gotta wait to build it back up again? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how. I think it's just killing enemies. How quickly does uh, the cooldown last? Or how long does For the, the cooldown last? For the super attack? Yeah. Not too long, maybe. So you can use them pretty often, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's good. The rune attacks also have a cooldown, like the bombs and the. What are the rune the rune attacks? Explain the that same for ones from Breath the of the Wild. The 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 bomb, the stasis which freezes enemies, the cryonis that builds an ice pillar, and which one? I'm, and the magnet pop power. Okay. Magnesis. It's cool that they've managed to make that work in a Muso environment. Um, that was my big concern about this game, honestly, was how... Because you're right, Breath of the Wild is far more deliberate. It's more of a thinking person's game, um, especially with how you can get creative and use its physics to do all kinds of cool stuff. But hack and slash games generally are very straightforward and just very much like, you know, learn how to create combos to build up your meters to fire off your super at just the right time to do maximum damage to the most amount of enemies that type of stuff so it's a different way to play uh do you are you enjoying it i think it's fine there's also a light strategy element involved because there are a lot of outposts you need to go like these specific areas that are like a circle and then you have a bunch of enemies and you have a meter up top so basically, you kill a bunch of the small enemies in there till the meter gets down near the bottom, and then the big enemy will show up, and then you defeat that, and you get the outpost, which it either helps, you have to do it for a certain 
quests within a level, or I think it just makes it so fewer enemies pop out and you have more control over the map. Interesting. Um, how does it the game itself play out? Um, are they just linear levels, and then you finish the level, and a screen comes up, and it tells you your results, and then you choose the next level from a map screen? How does that all work? The maps themselves, they're kind of linear in that I think the quests just have you do things in a certain order. It will be like, the first one was just kill these enemies, like kill this big enemy, go capture these outposts, kill these big enemies, win. Okay. But the second one was more interesting. Basically, you're escorting Zelda to, to safety after stuff happens, and then you encounter your first of the of the big guardians. And then obviously you can't do much about it, so you run away. So but the guardians are in the game. You just slipped that in there. Yeah, <laughs> you did not mention that until just now. Um, okay, are they bosses? Yeah, it's kind of like a boss. Well, I should or is say it the just guardi- like this thing that intimidates you until you fight it like two hours later or whatever? You go throughout the level and you a- activate two of the good guardians and they hit the guardian and weaken it. And then eventually you come back to it and it's like had 90% of its health taken down. So oh, okay. it's easy there. Well, that's cool, though. So you're teaming up with the guardians to fight other guardians. Yeah. I like that. I like that aesthetic a lot. But you still didn't explain how you go from one mission to the next. Um, is it's it a map a, screen. It is a map screen. Um, yeah. So there aren't like cut scenes that kind of bridge in between and you just go there on to the next one? There are cut screens, scenes between each of the story missions, yeah. Okay. Are they good? They're fine. They're fully voiced. Though Link still doesn't talk. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> That'll be the big question for Breath of the Wild too. how much he's going to jibber-jabber, I think. Uh, they, they've been taking baby steps in that direction for a while now. Um and Baby Steps is probably the best way to put it as, as well. Uh, they, have, they have been very uh, reluctant to jump into modern uh, cinematics for their games. But now, I believe that Breath of the Wild, though, set a pretty high standard for that. Do you feel like they're up to scratch in uh, Age of Calamity? I think they're fine. There's a lot more narrative going on because in Breath of the Wild, there's only basically two like meaningful cutscenes. The one that happened after you beat the plateau and then the one... One's near the end. I mean, as far as, like, things that move the story. Yeah, and then all the other ones are just flashbacks you can find if you search for them. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the cutscenes, though, as far as boss intros and all that kind of stuff, introducing you to new areas, I mean, it's it's a pretty cinematic game, I believe. Um, I didn't come away from that game thinking that, like, they did a poor job telling a story or anything like that. Um, but it Just sounds there like there wasn't that much story there. That's true. At least plot. There's lore and stuff yep. and backstory, but not actual story. And I'm too lazy to ever find all that stuff. I'm, I'm yeah. playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now, and uh, there's a lot of lore in this. And I do collect it because it's always like easy to grab and find, but I hardly ever read it. I just, I don't have the time to sit and read like a piece of paper on my television screen. Uh, I only read the ones where they're like, hey, you should read that thing because there's like a lock combination in it or whatever. Um, So overall, are you saying you're enjoying your time with it though? Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised for like a genre that gets a a bad rap, but this one seems to be doing enough with the beyond just kill a bunch of enemies that it's interesting. Do you think that Breath of the Wild fans are going to be salty that this is the vehicle for the next sort of delivery of the Zelda lore? To be honest, I'm wondering if this will actually be canon because time travel means that uh, you're probably going to have a side story. There's the scapegoat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Because obviously we know what's going to happen if this follows the real story. They have to lose. Yeah. Do you really want to have a Zelda end with you losing? <laughs> they may have to, though. What else are they going to do? They have a side story and say this is an alternate reality. Uh, that with, I mean, this. I think people would be oh. angry if that were the case because they have been pumping this up. This is like the prequel <laughs> to Breath of the Wild. I think the average person would just assume, well, that's canon, you know? Yeah. But you're right. They provided an escape hatch that they can fly out of at any time. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. If you know anything about Zelda canon and the lore of Zelda, it's been a long, winding, crazy road. So anyway, yeah, why what's not there? add another branch? What you say? To that, add another branch to that line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Vincent, what's the release date for this? November twentieth, I think. So just okay. about about ten days away. Not even two weeks away. And how are you feeling right now, as far as like? Would you plunk down? It's sixty bucks, right? It's a full price game. Yeah. Would you pay sixty for it based upon what you've played so far? Probably. There's certainly going to be a ton of content. Yeah. And they're pretty good about the DLC. Warriors games always do. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they do with DLC because most of what DLC is are characters, and right. they're already having to stretch a little for characters in the base roster. They can't just pull out random character from from Zelda game. That you've never heard of like yeah, well, it it's Tingle's already in there. What are they gonna do? <laughs> I mean, Tingle isn't in Breath of the Wild, at least not like actual Tingle Tingle. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. I, I think they may break out of that mold though eventually and just start putting just Zelda characters in the game instead of just Breath of the Wild, but we'll see. It'd be cool to see some of those characters in that art style as well. Um, so we'll see what they do, but so far it sounds like you're enjoying it a good bit, and it's I will say this is pretty much exactly what I expected. <laughs> and sometimes that's not a bad thing. So, Vincent, thank you for taking the time to play, and thanks for talking uh, with us about it on Game Face. Big thanks to Vincent for taking some time to talk to me about Hyrule Warriors, one of the bigger games for Switch in Q4, so definitely one worth keeping an eye on. And now Matt and I are going to talk about a game that everyone is keeping their eye on right now, and that is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the next in the line of Ubisoft's open world. I struggle to say stealth franchise anymore, although mm -hmm. I would say this game does veer a little more back in that direction than the last yes. couple games have. I would definitely say stealth is a more effective tactic in this. If, yeah. if it's not, even if it's not like pushing you to do it, the stealth tools in this game are vastly improved from the last two. Yep, and just to kind of set your expectations on this conversation, I am now about 25, 26 hours-ish. I haven't checked my clock. That's just what I'm guessing. Matt is just a handful of hours in. He just started playing yesterday. <clears throat> I've yeah, actually Tuesday, had the game Tuesday now. Tuesday night, or what was it? Yesterday was Tuesday. Monday night, I started playing on the Xbox One X. Okay. And then I, start, I played for a little bit yesterday, but I had a lot of other things to do yesterday, so... Um, which I know is sacrilege for a new console launch day, but like there was, it was too much. So I played like probably I think like three ish hours on the one one X and probably three hours on the on the Series X. Okay, um, but I am not out of the prologue. Like I've not seen the title yet. Yeah. So just so, so you guys know, and you guys, some of you guys may have already watched my preview, which is a new uh, series that we just started on Sifted this week, where I give you my impressions of games when I'm kind of halfway through them, at least enough where I feel like I can give you a valuable impression of a game. So some of the stuff I'm going to say in this discussion today may be redundant for some of you if you've watched the preval for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, but if you remember last week when I was talking about uh, playing Watch Dogs Legion and how I was playing this other game at the same time, it was Valhalla. I've been playing it for over a week now, but I've just been so busy 
uh, that I haven't been able to dedicate 50 hours or 60 hours to finishing it. I've managed to. Oh, you, you think you're going to finish this in 60 hours? <laughs> hey, well, we'll get we'll get to that. You think um, the darkness is your friend? <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to apologize because I do know a lot of the stuff we're going to say here on Game Face is redundant with what is in the preval. But there's a lot of people who just watch Game Face. Um, and so we need to make sure that we cover everything in this show in addition to some of the other uh, series that we do. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla, as you guys well know, it's set in Norse mythology, although it's not even really mythology because That's a lot North, of the- Norse history History ish yeah with a dash of mythology I yeah guess, eventually well i'm sure we'll get the weird the dlc will have the weird alien first first civilization gadgets that like create the gods and you know there's visions and stuff yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's that that blend of historical accuracy and mysticism that like origins and, and odyssey have sort of established for the series which i like which i think is a good good way to do it um, and then the game, so the game starts and you play as Avoy. Uh, you're a young Viking and you can choose to play as either a boy or a girl, man or woman. Um, and you start the game, you're a child. Or your both, weirdly. Yeah, that's uh, true. A, I didn't pick that. The, the, the middle option is like it, it chooses which gender the character is based on the stronger lifeline of the animus thread. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Whatever that pick, means. <laughs> I'm just going to pick the girl. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And I picked the guy. So, so anyway, you could, you could choose. Um, and then you start the game and you're a child and you're, you're in a Viking village. Your village is having a big celebration. Um, and in the middle of the celebration, your village is attacked. And I, I don't want to mention this, but I will, because you kind of have to, to discuss the plot. Your father is killed in the raid. And so you're basically an orphan and the king takes you under his wing and kind of raises you as his own son. Jump forward, like probably 12, 15 years. You're basically an adult now. Um, and the king is still ruling the same, uh, the same region. You are best friends with the king's son, who has also become sort of a leader in the village at that point. But he has become uneasy and he wants to strike out and make a name for himself instead of just floating on the coattails of his father. He had become bored in the village because there wasn't much happening. They had kind of closed down a lot of uh, the trade and other things that they had done with other territories. And so he's getting bored and he decides to set out with a crew of people to head to England to conquer England and you go along. And that's where the real story starts. Um, it's set in ninth century England, mm -hmm. and a lot of the plot centers around religion um, because what happened was England was you know, basically a Christian nation at that point. And you have the Vikings coming in with no religion at all, um, and the English call them pagans, and it's this big pagan versus people who are a religious thing that kind of is the undercurrent of the entire plot through the game. Um, a big part of the game is you have to raid monasteries, uh, you roll up on a monastery with a crew of people and you go in and you literally slaughter everyone. Um, I know there are some people on Sinted who are religious. I know there are a lot of religious people out there. Matt, do you think that stuff like that might be too much for them? Because yeah. it's... They're mostly Catholic. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they weren't Anglican yet. They were still... The Protestant Re Reformation was a long way away. So uh, I, I think mo most people I know who are religious enough to not want to do that are not Catholic and don't care. Now I will say also, this. My wife a, is religious. Fictional. I am not. And you're right, Matt. It is fictional. Um, I am not religious. My wife is. And she was offended by some of the stuff in this game. I'll just put it out there. There, She sit, was sitting in the living room while I was playing. Her watching me slaughter priests was not something that she enjoyed. Uh, so is she, just is she a Catholic? She's not. 
No. I don't think so. It's, no, she's Christian. Because uh, I've had enough of, uh, like, kind of the hardline Christians say that, when I was growing up Catholics, say that I wasn't Christian because Catholics were weird idolaters who worship Mary as a goddess, that I'm like, I'm not really buying your outrage on that one. Um, also, like, I mean, they're Vikings. Like, that's yeah. what happened. That's like, what they were. That's like, who like, they were. Yeah. And a lot of Vi- a lot of the reputation the Vikings have are is made up. It, it comes down to us from the English and the Irish who clearly had their own viewpoint on what the Vikings were. They were not quite the monsters as depicted. And there are some historians that say that um, you know, there's all the stories of like women being kidnapped from villages and stuff. Some some say that a lot of the women went with the Vikings voluntarily because the Vikings smelled better because Vikings bathed <laughs> at the time. That's funny. Well, there is one line early in the game where where the one guy comes home and his wife is like, I smell a 12 kingdoms in your beard or yes. whatever. Yes. It's a pretty clever line. Uh, but anyway, that, that, it's, that's uh, great. It's a, I think it's a pretty good depiction of Vikings in the sense that like they are real people and kind, nice people with each other, but they you don't want to fight them. Like they yeah. you really don't want to be on the wrong side of the, that axe. And you see that early in the game, you yeah. go to a castle to confront a king, and his lead soldier is there, and the king is like, "Oh, we're gonna fight him." And the soldier's like, "Bro, this is a really bad yeah, idea." Yeah, like, like, no, like it's easy do that. for you to say that, but we're all gonna die. So maybe yeah. you need. To, and he's like, "No, we're gonna fight him." And then. Later on in the game, you bump elbows with that guy, that soldier again. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a moment in the game where you have to reflect on everything that's happened with that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I think that was one of the, I think that was one of the the E3 demo things they did. There was a there's a whole section where like yeah, I remember that was one of their demos. I think related to that guy. Oh, I, I miss that. But the undercurrent of the game is that you have these unreligious pagan vikings coming into england england is very conservative very religious and it's this butting of the heads the vikings want to take the land the english want to save it but they want to save it in the name of god um and so there's these lines and undertones that go through the whole game just something to keep in mind and i mean the the vikings are no less religious they just have their own religion right they, yeah they're, they're doing it for odin and, and whoever yeah. it's like you know it's, it's, and then the, the, your character has a lot of visions of odin and sort of like what what was it what do the gods want me to do kind of thing yeah um i'm sure that will somehow tie into first civilization apple of eden things later um because remember one of the big things in assassin's creed is that uh basically all religions are a method of control that don't really mean anything. Right. Um, like the, 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 the lesson is that like anyone who was powerful or interesting in history had first civilization tech of some kind. They had yeah. the apple, uh, an yeah. apple or something like it. So um, I'm sure that will be prominent moving forward. Yeah. Um, On the present day timeline, it is in this game. Uh, when yeah. the game starts, there's voiceover that you can tell is from present day. They don't really show you anything. And then the first time you really go back to the present timeline is about four or five hours into the game. Also around the same point where you finally see the title of the Mm. game come up on the screen. The epilogue for this game is like five hours long, people. Not an exaggeration. Um, The prologue. Yeah, the prologue. Sorry. Yeah, the prologue. The epilogue's probably about that long, too. It might. It very very well might be. Um, So anyway, uh, the present day is a big part of the story. You don't see it really until five hours in. But after that happens it becomes increasingly more frequent as the game goes on. Eventually you start stumbling onto these anomalies in the world. And they're Mm. just like these little glitchy parts of the world. And then you join them and they are these weird, like surrealistic, like platforming sections Mm. that are just up in the sky. It's very bizarre. And your character from present day 
is the character that you're controlling in these anomalies. Hmm. And but she's in the world. She's there in ninth century England, like interacting with the it's really freaking weird. And the couple of them are really annoying. They're like really head scratchers. I got really annoyed with them and just started avoiding them when I came across them. But that anyway, reminds me of um Revelations that uh, they had similar they were first person platforming things and they suck. These are not great. Like, these these are like um you have these nodes that mm. will turn platforms on and off. So you like uh, rotate that sounds like, yeah. nodes to like turn on a platform and it's all planning your route through the platform. Anyway, it doesn't make That is not what I'm here for. It folks. makes no sense <laughs> in this game whatsoever. They are optional, although I will say this, the rewards for doing them are really good. So consider that before you decide to skip yeah, them or not. At least not. they knew that. Yep. Um, but then the other part like is they go back to the present day. It continues from Odyssey. So they have like that crazy staff that's like all powerful mm -hmm. and they're like petrified they're Atlantis of. and everything and like yeah. yeah so all that stuff continues and it is I would say that that stuff is more prevalent in Valhalla than it was in Odyssey so you are getting both sides of the story here not an equal measure or anywhere close it's still like 95% 19th century England 5% present day but there's still more of it in this game mm. than there was in odyssey the rift thing was also in syndicate but when that when you went through the rift you went to a different time period mm. and like yeah. play like a world war one section yeah, this just like changes like the world so you find it out in the world in the open world and wherever you do that anomaly all of a sudden the platforms just appear mm. right beside the anomaly and then you i'm sure if you read like the letters that are whatever around it like explains like why how that you're yep. really hacking the animus to find the the templars base or something well part I'm, i don't want to spoil too much uh but they do explain like what's mm. going on my, it's i am a little disappointed that my prediction for the beginning of this game did not turn out to be particularly accurate um <laughs> But uh, I, mean, I, I wasn't wrong that like something Assassin's Creed related would show up in a Viking village and that would sort of catalyze the story. Uh, except that's it not was too far off. I no, mean, it's not. But it's not happens. like a it's not like a piece of Eden. It's a it's a guy. It's people. So yeah. it's people. It's yeah. Assassins. Yeah, they're assassins. Um, and that is how the that is how it happens. The the son of the king goes out on a crazy plumaging mission. And when he comes back. That also, that's the scene I talked about where his wife says your beard smells like 12 kingdoms or whatever. Mm -hmm. When he comes back, he has two assassins with him. And he's like, yeah. hey, these dudes are kind of awesome. <laughs> you should probably get yeah. to know them. And there's and, a really nice scene where they give uh, your character the hidden blade thing. And, and they're, yeah. they're like, mm, we don't really just hand those out. And, yeah. and he's like, well, that's my brother. And you're going to give it to her. And, and he also like, doesn't lose his finger, right? He doesn't cut off. No, because she, she puts it on the outside. And she's like, I'm aware. They're like, no, it goes. She's like, I'm going to put it out here because I want people to see it. And because I don't want to make the mistake you made. And they're yeah. like, well, that's <laughs> that wasn't that a was in, not a mistake. <laughs> it's a kind of it's like it's funny because they're like explaining like the assassin shit that you know uh -huh. from like, you know, for, for 15 years of this series. And you're like, that sounds really dumb when you just tell it to <laughs> someone who doesn't <laughs> know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's a pretty, it's, it's some some fun stuff. They play with it a little bit. They play with the absurdity of the premise a little bit, and it's nice. Yeah, the the writing oh, in the game is good. pretty good. There's there's there is one of those Aladdin not moments in this game, though. Have you come across it where the one person says "corporate called"? No. Yeah, there's a what? line in this game where they say corporate, blah, blah, blah. Dude, you're a freaking Viking. There's no such thing as a corporation in the ninth century. They say so corporate call. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you'll see. You may have. You probably haven't got there yet. You'll you'll notice yeah. it now when you get there. I'll keep an yep. ear out for that. I'll keep. 
I don't know. I, look, this That's like when is, Aladdin said not. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, uh, Disney stuff is timeless. This is now not timeless. This series <laughs> is never going to top the it's a me Mario thing. Yeah, so yeah, that does, Exactly. That makes even less sense. But there are some weird quirky things in there where they use vernacular from present day, even though it's ninth century England. Like, Usually, Assassin's Creed is on well, that. Well, they're also they also wouldn't be speaking English, so they maybe right. just translate. That's a good point it. too. Yeah, um, but I don't know if there was a thing an equivalent to corporate back in the ninth century. But anyway, um, my big issue with the game in general is the story <clears throat> and the setting. I just do not find it interesting at all, Matt. I don't find the characters interesting. I don't find what they're asking me to do interesting. On the occasion where they do give me something that I'm like, oh, that's kind of clever. Then they just rub it into the carpet and just run it into the ground for the next like four hours until it becomes repetitive and you don't like it anymore. Like a lot of the mini games in the game, there's like three mini games, there's like a dice game, there's a drinking game. That dice game is way too involved. <laughs> it's not, it's, Matt. It's, it's not. So if you you probably didn't watch my preview. When I first started yeah. playing that dice game, I was completely overthinking it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like you have to be a genius to win this. And I won the first match on completely on accident. Second one, I just lost. And then I, I looked at it. I'm like, wait a minute. All it is is just lining up my dice with their dice. And that's yeah. it. That's all it is. It, yeah. it, so once I figured out that it was that simple, I won like everyone after that. But anyway, there's a dice game. There's a drinking game. And then there's like a rap battle mini game. It's called yep. flighting. Flighting, yep. Where you, it's, it's a poetry battle. Like the, the other, yeah. the NPC will start. He'll deliver the first line. And then you choose the next line from like three options and it needs to rhyme. It also needs to make sense with what the guy said before. And those and are it also, also has to fit the meter. Yeah. And those also are really easy to beat. Mm -hmm. In fact, this game in general is pretty easy, I would say. Um, I mean, they all, Assassin's Creed is not a huge challenge of a game, really. Yeah. Um, um, this one to me feels even easier, though, as far as combat, like like beating enemies. It should be a challenge like mini bosses or even bosses like the, I definitely the, noticed. And I don't know. I thought maybe it was because it was I was early in, but I've definitely noticed a couple of times where I was like knocked down to a fair amount of life. And I'm like, oh, I get a hit. And like the guy was hitting me and I'm like, oh, I get one more hit and I'm dead. I'm going to die. And then I, he, he just stops and backs yeah. away. I'm like, oh, it was very kind of you to let me just kill you <laughs> instead <laughs> of finishing me off. Like I've noticed that a few times because um, early on you can't take many hits like no. you're, you're and you have and here's the other thing it's not rebounding health you have no, to yeah manually upgrade or improve your health as you lose your health you yeah. pick up herbs and food around the environment and that feeds into the health replenishment yeah it's kind uh, of the system similar to horizon zero dawn yep but it did take me a little while to get the mental alert going that like oh i have to manually mm. replenish my health instead of just letting the game do it i um, mean you're right in the early going like three shots and you pretty much die yep. but not too far into the game, you kind of reach this apex where the gear just becomes completely overpowered. And this is the one thing I would say. To me, the biggest improvement in this game from Odyssey and Unity is the gear, how they handle the gear. So if you remember Odyssey, you would have like 20 of the same axe type in your inventory. And if you mm -hmm. go and like sell them all off, it became really annoying. In this game, they don't do that. They give you like one axe and then they let you upgrade it. Like so in some cases up like 10 levels in some for some mm -hmm. of the weapons. And then they'll give you a new axe that's just way more powerful. And what happened to me, Matt, was I got a new axe. And it was all over. My axe that I had been using was my dad's axe and I was upgrading it. And even that, the game was pretty much a cakewalk. Then I got the golden axe and it literally... 
I fought a boss like five minutes after I got it and I took him down in like four chops. Like the <laughs> boss, the first like real boss in the game. So the balance in this is not great. Even though the weapon system itself is much more user-friendly, you don't have to go and sell a bunch of junk anymore like you used to. It's still, they have not balanced the weapon and armor power well with the challenge that the game presents. So I would say that I would bump it up at least one difficulty level above the default. Otherwise, this game really is a cakewalk. And look, I'm not like some like Demon Souls, Dark Souls master or anything. I'm walking through this game, no problem. In fact, it's pretty much lost all challenge at this point because after I got that axe, 10 minutes later, I got my first new set of armor. And now they can hardly damage me. So I'm just basically just like, I don't even bother with stealth anymore, Matt. Like, I don't bother with being quiet anymore. I see enemies, I just run at them and kill them. Like, I mean, that is pretty much how I played Odyssey as well. Like, I'd sneak up and if I, I tab a couple guys and then like somebody alerts someone's like, all right, come at me. None of you can touch me. I, I'm a god, basically. Yeah, and I mean, I'm like that. Like, I was like that mm-hmm. 10, 12 hours into the game. And now that I'm at almost the 30 hour mark, I'm just a machine. Like, nobody <laughs> can touch me. It's so funny, like walking into like these skirmishes where like your teammates are like, taking turns, like slashing and putting up their sword, their shield. And you just come in and just like, whack, whack. <laughs> just the whole day. It's, it's, like, like, it's like, Lars, could you try, please? Like, it's <laughs> the balance I mean, is bad is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't mind that. I don't really mind that. Like, I, I don't mind becoming like super powered in these games too much. I, I like doing the stuff more. One um, thing but I, cool, ha- I, I don't like make, feeling like I was allowed to win though. So like the, the things where they back off and clearly d- intentionally don't kill me because they want to frustrate me at the beginning of the game yeah. is a little... Mm. Yeah, it's, it's shady. It's totally shady. I get why they did it because they don't want to yeah, kill people I, off sure. in the first few hours. And a lot of people are going to buy this game who probably aren't very good at video games. And you don't. And want I do them think there's a. I do think there's off. a bit of a learning curve on some of the combat here because it's a little chunkier than it's dip, way the other ones. Yeah, it feels completely different to me. Yeah. Fighting with the axe and every just the evasions and all yeah, that stuff feels different. I don't like it as much as Odyssey's. Actually, me either. there's um, no counter game, Matt. Like I don't. Yeah. I feel like the counter game is all manual. In some cases, that's good, but I've had problems. The dash is so sensitive. So after you dodge or parry or whatever, like getting back to them, I always end up hitting it twice. So I'll dash to them and then dash Mm -hmm. past them. And then for whatever reason, none of my weapons ever reach the enemies. Like if I'm a dash away, they're too far away. It's weird. I have, I've had that problem a little bit. Like, I do double I've dash too much. I've never swung in the air as much as I have in this game. I do double dash too much because uh, I'm just used to it. And I, I'm trying to train myself not to because it uses stamina. Me too, yep. And, uh, and I do, like, the dash thing, I'm trying to train myself not to because what I would always do in Odyssey is I would dash up and hit. Mm-hmm. Like, I would do a dash hit as my you opener You can run. Here's a cool the thing. You can run and then slide right mm-hmm. before you get to an enemy and you do, like, a really cool, like, sliding attack. So that right. I fight that way too. I run in and just go full bore. Yeah, because it feels like I mean, obviously it worked with Cassandra, but it feels even more appropriate for a Viking, you know. Yep. Um, and I'm, I haven't decided what weapons I'm using yet. I've mostly still uh, axe and shield right now, but I got a I've, flail. I've only and... used an axe. Like I've fiddled around. Like the, another cool thing is that you can set up your spare hand with whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, now some weapons are two handed, so you have to dedicate. Yeah, there's there's a double shield right there in the B roll. If you use like a smaller axe and a shield or a smaller axe in like this crazy like sky thing that they have, like you can mess with some combinations. And the cool part is, depending on your combo, it changes the combos in the game. If you work with an axe with a pole or whatever, mm-hmm. it changes how you link those two together as you're doing their, your combos. That stuff's great. But again, it's so easy. And once you, at least for me, once I got that axe, like I just started mopping enemies up like one hit everybody. 
And this isn't something that I got because Ubisoft sent me like the collector's edition or anything like that. It's just something that I found in the game and earned in the game. And it just completely unbalanced it. Um, and as you were, we were saying earlier, we are talking about stealth. The tools for stealth in this are better than they were in Odyssey. You do get the hidden blade, which is mm-hmm. a big deal. And I found myself like sometimes I'll just come around a corner. An enemy will come around a corner and I'll just hit attack and he'll just jam it right up under his chin and just kill him. So there are like these moments where it's it does feel like an old Assassin's Creed game, but at the end of the day, you don't have to use any of it. You're mm. only doing it for show. It's I just, also feel the bow is way more effective in this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Here's another thing I would say, um, and we'll get to the skill trees here in a second, but I would say put power into your bow whenever you can. That is, I am much further down the range tree than the other two right now. Just because, not just because of using the bow, but because the the bonus abilities you get down the range tree are w- useful for everything. Like yeah. they're they're the most useful abilities that I've seen. Well, we'll talk about that as you get farther into the tree. I think you'll see that uh, the tree is a bit of a mess. But, <laughs> but I, anyway. I figure there's a reason they don't show it to you. Yeah, <laughs> the, the bow is com- is pretty is op. Really, it is. It just destroys, and it can shoot like. 300 yards without before it starts to drop. Um, oh, and yeah. If, and if you start, I sniped, I sniped a bear from like 400 yards and it never knew what killed it. No after exaggeration. Four arrows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it they would shoot that far. And that's in the early game. And as you yeah. go through the skill tree, you boost it to where it's like got all these crazy power. Like some of like the mini bosses, you can shoot it, you can kill them with one shot. Mm-hmm. Like dudes that have like the crazy health bar where you're like, oh crap. You shoot them in like the chest or the neck with an arrow, they die instantly. So, yeah, because yes. some of them also have like these orange weak spots yep. that do, do extra damage. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely boost up the bow. But, you know, we might as well talk about the skill tree. We're here. Uh, the skill tree in this game is gigantic, mm-hmm. huge. It's like, like this, it's Final Fantasy gigantic. Yes. It's like this huge sky of constellations, and each star is an upgrade. But here's the thing. So, when I first started, Matt, I thought the same as you. I was like, okay, I found the melee path. So I'm a melee character. I'm going to go down the melee path first to make sure I can handle myself in combat while I find my footing in this game. Well, you start doing that, but then you start to realize, no, no, no. This actually is not the melee path. It's just one of a billion paths that are just like all the others. As you start getting into those things that you think are paths, everything else gets sprinkled in there. And what I end up doing with the skill tree is I'm like, okay, what do I want to do with these two ability points that I have right now? I want to increase my bow. So I will go and I'll just look all over and I'll find where is the spot where with two points, I can upgrade my bow within those two points. And that's how I have done my entire skill tree. And now when I like zoom out and look at it, it's just like this spider web that goes all over the place. But I have managed to still build the character that I want. It's just, an, albeit in a kind of a convoluted way. Yeah. I mean that I like that better than the whole just like pick a skill tree and go straight down it thing. Yeah, I'm okay um, with it. Like it, and, the way they've designed it, it works okay. And in answer to Bunk Go, uh, yes, there is a skill to guide the arrow, like in the uh, like in the yep. previous games, uh, yep. which is oddly down the stealth tree, not the range tree. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. Like the trees. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the trees don't really mean that much. Like I thought at first they did. The more you play, yeah. Like I guess technically that's stealth because if you do that, you'll know they'll never see you coming because you can guide it from like far away. But like it's also like well, it's also a bow skill. So like it's I mean it keeps you guessing and it keeps you like kind of exploring each tree. Yeah, uh, and you can reset your points whenever you want. Yep. So it's not like you're stuck with it. Yep. You don't when you make a decision, you can immediately overturn it and go back. So you never do anything that's set in stone. And then the other thing is abilities that you unlock as you play. 
Um, abilities are assigned to either the left or right trigger buttons, which then act as modifiers. So squeeze R2, and then you get to choose from four face buttons. Mm -hmm. Squeeze L2, get to choose from four face buttons. And L2 is all ranged. It's all your bow. And that's where you can put like your fire arrows and any well, other you can, special You can arrows. set them whatever you want. Yep. And then so, on the right-hand side... Just like Odyssey. Yeah, just like Odyssey. And then the right-hand side is all basically combat melee-oriented stuff. And that's where the attacks like the crazy, like, axe throws that you've seen in the trailers. Um, I have one where he, like, throws, like, this crazy, like, uh, spear that's on a rope that, like, goes through their neck and then wraps around their and then throws them down on the ground. That's where all the really cool stuff is. Um, and I've been playing about 20 or 30 hours, and I have, like, five of them unlocked now. So I have... All four buttons full plus one extra, just to kind of get an idea of how quickly they give you uh, new stuff for that. Um, and that's the most fun part of the combat, honestly, using all that stuff. Mm. And the cooldowns aren't bad. Like, you can be in a skirmish, and you can use, like, three or four of those special attacks before the skirmish is over. That's how quickly a lot of them will rebound for you to use again. So that, to me, is where the combat gets spiced up. But in general... I'm not a fan of the combat in this. I like that counter kills haven't come back. I mean, I don't think they ever will, but I'm glad that they're still gone. But the the evasion and the counter game in this, to me, is really, really weak. And I feel like I've been trained to fight that way in this franchise from the beginning. So it's been a little strange. Um, but again, it's so easy. Doesn't matter. Like no, I, I don't like I don't feel that so far, just because like I played so aggressively in Odyssey and. Mm -hmm. A Viking feels like they should be. I mean, there is a parry with the shield and that kind of, I mean, you can obviously do that. And the window for that's very narrow. It is. Um, yeah. So like, that's which I don't mind, <laughs> which I don't mind. Like, I think that's, you know, as a Dark Souls player, I'm like, okay, this is, this is I, I mean, I get what you're doing here. It's cool. Mm -hmm. And the, and the, the, the counter attacks are pretty brutal. So, I, you know, you do get rewarded for becoming good at that. Uh, They're so awkward far. though. Like the timing of them, like it feels like there's like a hitch in between and like sometimes the mm -hmm. enemies don't like they're oriented a weird, and that's another problem I've seen in the combat in this, like enemy orientation. Like there's one move that I can do where I can like bull rush someone and then slam them onto the ground and then like MMA do like ground and pound and then you finish them by slamming their head into the ground and killing them. Sometimes when you do that, the game just goes berserk because it's trying to figure out how to orient the enemy directly in front of you so you can drive them and then throw them down on the ground and it just it mm -hmm. loses its mind. There's a lot of weird physics thing like even like when you that do, even this whole game like, even when you just do like a if you end a combo with a heavy attack you knock them really far away you you do a big knockback with it yep. and if you kill them with it they basically go mind bender <laughs> ragdoll like they, they I've had guys wrapped around poles like uh -huh. snakes and shit like it's just a little it's a little, a little rough. Off. Yeah. It's like, watch, like Watch Dogs Legion, but not as bad as Watch Dogs Legion. I think this one came in hot. Like I enjoyed this, playing Watch Dogs Legion, the combat, way more than this. Way more. I wouldn't go that far. Really? Um, no. But uh, in part just because I'm used to Assassin's Creed's combat and I like this. Um, but I'm also not as far as you are, so I might be. you might be more tired of it. And by the time I get to that point, I might be done with it too in that regard. Um, yeah. But I do like the world. I'm, I'm, Vikings is not the most uh, compelling setting for me. Just in the set, even though I am like a quarter Norse, like I, you know, it's just it's part of my heritage. But it's just like it, I feel like Vikings have been done so much 
that like I'm it's it feels like review even if it hasn't been part of Assassin's Creed before if you know you've had well, it's like TV just shows search, and like it's just, just you know, search the word Valhalla on Sifted right. and see how many results come up right. there are There's like a lot of that. six games with Valhalla in the title and the content just goes on for like ever yeah so, that's, it's just like 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 Origins and Odyssey were in part exciting because they were exploring historical settings that like don't really get addressed in games much uh, whereas Viking, and I know Vikings don't happen all the time in games, but I've played open world Viking games before, uh, even if they weren't tremendously good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing all the raiding and all the conquering stuff. I love conquering a map in an open world game. You know, I, I like all that stuff. I've, I've, I've spent an, an embarrassing amount of my six hours just looking for golden things. You know, just like you know, I, I get distracted in open <laughs> yeah. world games a lot. And I'm just like, I'm just going to climb that mountain like, and, and do the viewpoint up there. And then, oh, there's a, there's a gold, there's treasure down there. I'm going to go down there. And like somewhere Sigurd is just like, she was supposed to meet me like four days ago <laughs> and I don't know where she, no one's seen her in a week. It is like, and um, so I've been doing that. So I'm still enjoying that aspect. Um, I keep forgetting. I have a horse. Uh, <laughs> oh, Johnny hurricane actually brought up a good thing about armor. Um, one thing that you will find in the skill trees is big nodes, like larger than the mm -hmm. other ones that give you like a huge boost to an armor set. Yeah. Um, and it makes a difference for sure. But again, the, you don't need it. The game is so easy. It just makes it even easier uh, to boost your... Because what it does is it boosts like every element of your armor up a good bit all at once. Um, and if you're if you're looking at like any screenshots or footage of the skill tree, that's what those bigger dots are in the constellations. Those are those things that give you like a, a buff across your whole armor set basically that's not what they are though that's the 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 ones that give you the big bonus things that i've seen are normal stars and then the big ones are like the, the bonus skill things like the the predator the biggest, the biggest dots are thing. the are the ones yeah i mean it makes sense it's the most drastic yeah. upgrade that you but i'm just like because that it's it's funny because you go through the beginning of the skill tree like okay so a, a, a melee attack up 2.4 percent uh stealth damage up 1.7 percent you get to, and like next star is like uh, if all wearing all bear armor, you get like health plus two, agility plus four. But it's just like it's like all this. I'm like, oh, holy crap! Like, yeah. you, like you just made that armor way better than anything else I have just by wearing it. That's crazy. Yep. Um. So like, it, it, it does build up, but I got yeah, like you say, like the stat bonuses are nice to haves. They are not uh, make or break finish the game things. Like you're you're more than capable. You could probably finish this game naked if you had to. Like, yeah. Yeah, you don't need armor that much. Um, you may have a couple problems with the boss here. Yeah, the bosses like break the break the world a little bit, but yeah. Uh, but um, look, I feel like I've been slagging the game. Um, I'm I don't hate it. I'm not enjoying it a great deal. It's it's fine. The game is fine. Most of it works. I've seen a lot of reports about bugs. I haven't had many. I had a message that kept popping up on the screen that said you need to be anonymous you need to be anonymous and i couldn't get it to go away until i restarted my console twice mm. and i've fallen through the floor a couple times but it's not like it's not one of those games where you're here oh my gosh it's buggy and you're like is my save going to get corrupted am i not going to be able to finish quest? like i haven't had any of those problems my biggest issue with the game really is that it's just dull there's nothing that really happened and i will say this i'm 20 30 hours in the story is just now starting to pick up. Like it's just now got to a place where I'm starting to pay attention to what people are saying in the cutscenes again, because I went through a good like 10, 15 hour period where I didn't like, I didn't care what they were saying. I'm like, just finish talking and put up the new waypoint so I can go and do what I got to do. 
Um, I am surprised that the life of a Viking is so freaking boring, Matt. Like I, and a lot of it just has to do with it's all about diplomacy and these political factions that are warring behind the scenes over religion versus the pagans. And it, for whatever reason, the historical part of this is nowhere near as interesting as prior games for me. And obviously, you're going to, it's the law of diminishing returns with this stuff. Obviously, they're going to pick the most interesting time periods and people for the first. 10 games. They're starting to run out of historical figures to put in their games that people will actually recognize. I didn't know who hardly any of these people were, Matt. Like, two of them so far mm. were names where I was like, I know who he is. I know his history, roughly. I know when he ruled. Everybody else, I'm like, who are these people? I have no freaking clue. Um, it's a huge game. I am almost 30 hours into it, and I have just finished the second District of England. And there are four to conquer. And you know after you do that, that's not going to be the end of the game. You'll think it's the end of the game. It'll be all set up for the end of the game. And I guarantee you probably something will happen that will extend the game another eight hours. That's what Assassin's Creed does. Um, and so, I, like I said, I'm 20, 30 hours into it. I don't even feel like I'm halfway done with the game. It is gigantic. And it just I don't think you not, are, no. And it just has not continued to give me new and interesting stuff to do to keep me interested. I'm still playing it. It's just this... It's like a time waster. It's almost like a fidget spinner in a lot of ways. Like the challenge isn't there anymore. I'm just walking through every battle and I'm just fighting to see what happens next and what's happening next isn't all that exciting. But at the same time, it's an Assassin's Creed game. A lot of the stuff you expect from Assassin's Creed is there and it's done either the same way or a different way and it's done pretty well. Um, I just really think, Matt, I'm starting to burn out on this franchise, one. And two, I think this is probably the least interesting story of any of the mainline Assassin's Creed so far. Um, I will be shocked if it's less interesting than the story of Assassin's Creed uh, Revelations or, or 3. Um, I like the story in 3. I knew who those people were. I knew who everyone was. Like, I know who those people were. I context for it. I knew who those people were, and that's why I know that a lot of the depictions of the, those people in that game is complete bullshit. But I'm okay with that. Like, I, don't, I don't expect Assassin's Creed to be historical. Like I just want to brush elbows with these historical figures. I don't want them to tell me exactly what that person see, did. I just read a history book. If I want see, I don't, see, I don't want that. I, I think one of 3's problems is it got too ensconced in the actual history, and partly because like, you had that problem that was cropping up more and more as they got more and more recent. I think Unity suffers from it as well um, in the sense that you're sort of tangential to everything, but like the other problem Unity has is the uh, the girlfriend should have been the main character, not yeah. the guy who's yeah, just sort of I following agree. around. Yep. Uh, Syndicate figures it out more by sort of making, it, it's, Syndicate his, uh, fictionalizes things a little bit more from your perspective, which I think makes it a more interesting story. And then Origins and Odyssey have the advantage that they are so far removed from modern history that you can sort of make shit up and just say like, oh, it's been 2000 years so we just don't know these things because a lot of stuff hasn't survived which is accurate this is more um i mean this is a period that is also not particularly well recorded just because it's the dark ages and no one really knows what happened in certain places uh we know the broad strokes but you can kind of you have a kind of a whole cloth thing so but it's just like you're only going to get so far with this because i can't even really name anybody of note in most of these this That's time period saying. i have no um, connection like charlemagne no i guess tissue to like any of this stuff like they're but I don't really need that. out, and it's harder to reel it back in at this point to a place where you can relate to it. At least for me, so, I just don't. I just don't really care about that. Like, put me in a historical setting, and I'm fine. I don't need to yeah. recognize anybody, and it's cool when I do. Like, well, but that, I don't. But I don't expect even, to in this. Even for people like you, though, there's not as much stuff to collect in this. Like you, mm. 
you loot, but it's all this like junk that you just take to the store and you sell it all at once with one button press. Yeah, like, but like not- the but what you the way you describe it is like a fidget spinner. Like that's accurate. Like that's very much what I like about the the modern Assassin's Creed is that they are basically mindless open world crawls. busy work. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're not. I mean, you're absolutely See, I, right. I feel like this game to me is the the most obvious embodiment embodiment of that of any Assassin's Creed game. This is the one where it's almost kind of hit the breaking point for me where I actually looked at myself and was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing? After I got to like my 12th monastery raid, mm-hmm. um it everything starts to lose its punch and they're just not giving you new stuff and at that point it's up to the story to keep you going. And as I said, I'm just not that invested in it. So I'm just interested where they go next because I do think they've pushed this formula about as far as they can go without some kind agreed. of at least, at least halfway reinvention yeah, of it. I and they are they are catching up to Assassin's Creed 1 time period wise. So like what next? Yeah. What do you do? Do you do 1066, which like the... the it needs the, a revelation, Matt. The, <laughs> Too bad yeah. they've already tried that. <laughs> do you do 1066 with the kind of the, the conglomeration of, of the English Isles? Do you do the British Isles? Do you know, do you move over to China and do Romance of the Three Kingdoms? Do you do like... Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch... You finally do the Feudal Japan game. I feel like uh, Ghost of Tsushima has definitely upped the ante on that. Like, I don't know if I'd want to touch that time I wouldn't go now. there now. <laughs> um, I would definitely not do that. You're like, I don't know what they do next. Do you, remake, do you remake Assassin's Creed one with this new formula and like angle it that and way. Just come like, full circle. Yeah. yeah. And just start remaking all of them until now you have yeah. all the games you're ever going to make and you just keep remaking them into perpetuity. I mean, I would, I admit, I would not be super against a sort of mega Ezio game that covered like all of his lifetime oh, and down. all those places he Best went. protagonist and, in the franchise. And like kind of do that all over again. Uh, yeah. Like I, w- I wouldn't be against that idea. I would like, rather do that than play a sequel to Valhalla. Guaranteed. I don't think Absolutely. we'll get another Viking. I don't either, but I'm just saying that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You guys are probably wondering, well, should I buy the game? Here's what I would say. If you're desperate for a game right now, buy it. Um, you you know what you're getting. There's some little small tweaks to the formula, but for the most part, it's another Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. I don't think the Viking aesthetic fits really well to the more kind of thoughtful aesthetics of the, the Creed franchise, but it does work quote unquote work. I think um, if you liked the other the previous two, you'll like this one, but yeah. don't expect it to win you over and don't expect it to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. If you it's, if it's you more of the same. Yeah. If you can afford to be a little picky with what games you buy here over the next couple of months, I would say hold off and get something else. Um mm-hmm. certainly I am way more excited for Cyberpunk 2077 now that I have played a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So There you go. That's our recommendation. I am going to keep playing as much as I can. I think I have Call of Duty coming in here in the next day or two. We'll see. Mm. It's The code's coming in all random, and it's hard to figure out what's coming when, so I'm just rolling with the punches. (laughs) I'm just getting stuff done as I can and playing games when I have any spare moment here or there, Uh, so we'll see. But uh, I will try to keep playing this, and I know Matt will, and so no matter what, I'm sure we will discuss it a little more on next week's show. All right, it's time for Q&A. You guys are beautiful. You're trained so well. You already have the questions in a chat, but we're doing something fun before we start answering your questions. We are giving away two games today. We're giving away World of Warcraft Shadowlands, the gigantic expansion to World of Warcraft, and we're giving away a PC version of Godfall. Um, in fact, both versions or both games are PC, obviously. But the other thing to keep in mind is that the World of Warcraft code in particular is a European code. 
Um, these codes were given to us by Sifter Bachby. Uh, so thank him if you see him on the site. And I'll just thank him right here on the show. Thank you for letting us give these away. Um, but he said that that code for World of Warcraft is European. He's not 100% sure that that's even an issue, but he said to mention it. So if, I don't even know, maybe somebody can Google it quickly and see if American players will be able to use that code because I don't want to give it away to an American player if they're not going to be able to use it. That's my point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give away Godfall first. That'll maybe give you guys a couple seconds to Google it to see if you can use the European code of, of World of Warcraft. Um, and the way we're going to do it is we are going to give you guys a quiz. And the first person to answer correctly in the chat is the winner. I don't want to hear any crap about anyone Googling or whatever. The first person to get it into the chat is the one who's going to get it. The codes do not appear to be compatible. They don't. European okay. codes seem to be different from U.S. codes. Okay. So please, people, don't win. If you, if you live in the U.S. or Canada... Don't compete to win the World of Warcraft code. Let somebody in Europe win it who can actually use it, please. Okay, first up, this is for the Godfall code, for P again, for PC. Just want to get that out there in case none of you guys have a gaming PC. And here we go. Let's see who gets the answer in a chat first. What Gearbox published game was announced in 1997 but wasn't released until 2011? Let's see who gets it. No one yet. Uh-oh. No one can figure it out. There it is. Chevelle Man 1979. He got it. No, no. Erebus oh, Jones Erebus got Jones. it. Erebus Jones got it. Duke Nukem forever. I think a lot of you guys maybe overthought that one. I tried to give you an easy one because I was like, okay, 97 to 2011. That's like 14 years. What game took that long to come out? There's only one, really, Duke Nukem Forever. So anyway, Erebus Jones, we're in contact all the time on the site. Just send me a DM uh, at sifted.net, and I'll get the code to you as soon as the show is over. All right, we got one more code for World of Warcraft Shadowlands, the brand-new gigantic expansion. Now, again, please only people in Europe compete for this one because if you're in the U.S. or Canada, you can't even use a code. It's worthless to you. So let's get it to somebody who can actually use it. And here it is. And you're going to need to know World of Warcraft to get this one right. First one in the chat gets it. How many continents are in Azeroth? Let's see who gets it. <laughs> Still nothing. People are Googling it now. Whoever has the, the fastest internet is going to get it. Like a billion. Not like a billion. Way less than a billion. Nope, no one's got it yet. Nope. <laughs> no one can get it. They're just guessing numbers. Could have Googled it by now. Yeah, just Google it, people. <laughs> Somebody could have Googled it by now. They're still getting it all wrong. Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> There's Borderlands continents, infinite. One, no, nobody's got it yet. <laughs> No one's going to get it. Well, they'll run out of numbers eventually. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to give the answer, I guess, if someone will get it. Can you think of another quiz for World of Warcraft quickly off the top of your head, Matt? Um, let me think. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could, do some, I could do some like old school shit. Um, it may be that there aren't any Europeans that know the answer, too. That might be the problem. Yeah. Um, 
which uh, which region in the old World of Warcraft days, which region had the infamous chat uh, reputation? Okay. Nightmare answered Duke Nukem. <laughs> Minority game says Asia. No, region in the game. It's, a, it's an area in the game. <laughs> Not the region where the game was sold, yeah. Like, what area of Azeroth? <laughs> By the way, the number of continents in Azeroth is four. I, just, I saw two, three, two and a third, four of everything but the right answer. Nobody can get this one either. Can you repeat the question, Matt? Um, in the original, in the old World of Warcraft days, what region of the game had the most infamous chat hijinks? It was notorious for chat yeah, issues. It, it became a, it became a, like a lot, like a, it, a if you say this, it. if you say this to an old school World of Warcraft player, they're like, oh yeah, blank chat. The Barons, Playland says. Yes, the Barons. <laughs> they said Playland, I think Playland maybe lives in Asia though. If he yeah, does... Well, well, that's what you say. You say because nobody knows. Yeah. Come on, guys. We're trying to give you games. Baron's, Baron's chat was infamous for like just where people would talk about anything and everything and just argue about weird sex stuff all night. And like it was, it was, anything could happen in the Baron's. Okay. Well, we're going to try this again next week. So be ready. Brush up on your World of Warcraft history. I'll come up with an easier question. I just figured people who played WoW, that the continents was about as easy as it gets. But maybe people just have, haven't played it in so long, they don't remember. All right, before we get to the Q&A, I want to thank people that I can see who subscribe with Twitch Prime. Um, let's see, Tiny2K, thank you for all the Tier 1 subs that you gave to Sifters, man. That is awesome. Thank you very much. Um, JM Rain, thank you for all the Tier 1 subs that you gave to our peeps. Awesome stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, GetUpKid1284, thank you for Twitch Prime. 17 months, that freaking rocks. Um, Chevelle Man 1979, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, Justin Horman, thank you for Twitch Prime. And I think I got every Gerzilla, thank you for Twitch Prime. All right, let's get to questions. We're running out of time. Actually, we're already over time. Um, from Cinetike, I understand right now, not recommending Series X for the lack of next gen launch games. However, the console is a purchase for some years in the future. How do you imagine Microsoft versus Sony will fare in the future? Game services, features, values, etc. Thank you. Thank you, Cinetike. You're a great member of the community. You're always on the site. You're always in our chat. You're always supporting us. Thank you. Um, do you think it's going to get better? I mean, it will get better because eventually Microsoft will have some exclusives. Right now it has none. But I just, the problem is Microsoft, it's not like Sony's going to stop. So Microsoft gets ramped up. It, it finally gets on a place where, okay, we can pretty much guarantee three big exclusives a year. Well, Sony's already been on that wheel for the last, like, how many years it's hard to catch up unless Sony gives up or starts running slower, and I don't see that happening. Um, now, look, Microsoft can run faster now because it does have more studios, so it's never going to be as lopsided as it has been for the last couple console generations, or, well, really for Xbox One. It's never going to be as lopsided as it was then, um, but Microsoft still has a lot of work to do, which is another reason why I still feel strongly uh, about my call of buying PlayStation 5. Any thoughts on that, Matt? That's that's about covers it. I mean, okay. I, I I think so. I think PlayStation will still handily lead, even when Microsoft kind of gets things into gear. It's just it's going to have a head start. The brand is is hot from coming off of last gen. Like, but Microsoft's got a lot of catch up, and I don't know if they're going to make it 
fully. I think they will close the gap a bit, but I don't see really see Xbox overtaking PlayStation 5 this generation. Okay. Uh, next from ETH Demon. Given the early news surrounding the COVID vaccine being 90% effective, do you think the ESA or any other major convention operator will be crazy enough to try conventions next year? Yes, I think someone will be crazy enough to try it. Should they try it? Probably not. Well, will they happen? No. And here's the thing about that that Pfizer news. Um, there's a little more to it that we found out later in the day, uh, which is that that 90% figure is from seven days, mm. over seven days, not a long-term thing. Uh, it, it was not a peer-reviewed uh, study or figure. And the vaccine in question has to be stored at 101 degrees, which would be a very difficult like up transport. until the minute it's used? Yeah, it has to be stored at 101 degrees. <laughs> so so here's, here's your boiling vaccine injection, for one thing. <laughs> and second, like, that's a very hard transport that there. Like, yeah. um, so... It is not, look, like we might, if we get real lucky and maybe we get some actual leadership in place uh, by January, uh, we might be starting to see like public availability of a vaccine in the United States by April, but probably closer to summer. And by then you're already past E3 and you're probably not gonna be in the point where you can like really test in the public because we're, we're have to, we have to skip some large scale testing to get it out there. So the large scale testing in terms of effective effectiveness in the large scale population is going to be kind of, live happening in, in real person. time yeah. <laughs> so like you're probably yeah. not going to want to schedule gamescom in month two of that you know so the other I, problem is that a lot of people are just going to refuse to take the vaccine yeah that is we already problem. have anti-vaxxers psycho anti-vaxxers imagine there's a lot of people already who are like i'm not taking that thing like who's He's going to prove to me that it's safe or blah, blah. You're going to have a lot of people yeah. who won't take it. And like, the, I mean, the 90% effectiveness thing was great news before it turned out to be sort of a weird edge case. And we'll see if it actually holds once you get past a week, basically. Yeah. But um, I mean, that's great news because it means that in general, those of us who will take the vaccine do not have to worry about like a 60% uh, ratio, right. which means you can still get infected by the idiots who won't take it. Right. Because um, yeah. you're still, I mean, we're going to be wearing masks in public for another two years. Like, just get used to it. Like Probably. that's going to happen because we get we, we it's going to all be sort of happening too, but certainly I, another I think year. definitely and uh, at the very least when you're in indoor situations and stuff it's going to be it's going to be weird for a long time yet but I do think you might finally start to see conventions starting by the end of next year like you might get to attend the game awards in December 2021 in person yeah like, we'll see that's best case scenario I think Commander Fett, what is the most surprising thing you've seen from the new consoles, good and bad? Well, so far it's just singular because neither of us have PlayStation right. 5 yet. I mean, the most surprising thing I've seen is just Sony's refusal to let me add more storage. Um, storage but, size has been a big yeah. surprise for sure. Um, Especially after we got bigger hard drives last gen. And I get yeah. it, SSDs are expensive, but you know what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like if you can't give us decent storage, maybe it's not time for SSDs yet. Yeah, two terabytes would have been nice. It would have been um, fine. That's all you need. And uh, yeah, I think the other surprise is how much Sony pivoted on uh, the backwards compatibility thing in the wake of how Xbox did it. Like, yeah. I didn't think they were going to go in as hard as they did. And obviously, it's not perfect. And there's some things falling through the cracks here and there. But uh, I think they kind of stepped up on that pretty well. I'm surprised by it. I don't expect Sony to be that agile, I guess yep. would be how I'd say it. For me, size and weight. Um, the size of the PlayStation 5. Yeah, that's a, that was a... How big the PlayStation 5 is, and now that I have an Xbox Series X, how little the Xbox Series X is, and then the weight of both of them. Because yeah, I, I did I not know, expect the PS5 to turn out to be the size of a small child. I, I didn't either. There. And the package <laughs> ship, the ship packages are 17 pounds. Yeah. And then I cracked open my Series X, and I could hardly lift it out of the box. It was so heavy. So those are the two things that have surprised me the most. 
Uh, we can answer one more. Yeah, I didn't find the Xbox that heavy, but I was lifting it from a very different angle than you were on camera. Because like you, you were basically lifting the whole thing with your fingers. <laughs> yeah. I can, and my arms were outstretched. So I was just yeah. using like my forearm. It's freaking heavy, man. It's crazy. Uh, the last one we answer from Vincent. Uh, after you get your PS5, how long do you think it'll take for you to go back to Assassin's Creed uh, for an extended time in Shane's, in Shane's case? Uh, well... A while. <laughs> because I'm jumping on Miles Morales tomorrow. I'm mm -hmm. jumping on Demon Souls tomorrow. And just like I told you last week, I'm jumping on Bug Snacks. Have you guys seen the reviews for that game? It's better than you thought. So it's like a 75. It's not Yeah, that's I think most people thought it was gonna get like a five or worse. Look at that game. It's got pretty positive reviews. Mm -hmm. And the positive I've, things that people have said about it, I like what they're saying positive about it. I mean, so it's free. It. I'll try it. Yeah, like, I'm going like, to give it a go, for sure. But, um, uh, so that's two pretty big games. Miles Morales, probably 10 hours is my guess, is how long it is. Um, Miles, so is about, Miles is 10 to 12. If you, and then okay. like more like 20 if you do everything, which I know okay. you don't. So. And I, you guys know, I'm not finishing Demon's Souls. So yeah. I'm gonna, I'll just take a little tour around Demon's Souls. Just to check it out, just to see it, because it's freaking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. My guess I'll on really it, play Miles Morales. Yeah, my guess is I'll play Assassin's Creed today, and then tomorrow I will I will mess with Demon Souls, I will mess with Astrobot, and I'll dive hard into Miles Morales, and then eventually go back to Assassin's. I I you know if if Miles Morales is on par with the original Spider Man at all, which it appears to be from the reviews, that is going to absorb me more than anything else that has come out been in the last few months. Kind of low reviews, though, Matt. You've been surprised by that. No, because it's the same reviews scores that the first one got. No, huh? A lot of yeah. analysts have been giving it lower. No, it's, it's averaging about eighty-five. The original averaged eighty-seven. Like they, they, the, both of those games, I think, are being under, under, like low-balled for some reason. I thought I the think, first one was. I don't know. The first one is definitely one. the first one is definitely more than an eighty-seven in my book. That's more like a nine. That game's more like a ninety-five to me. No, that's so, too high. It's not a ninety-five. No, I, I mean it was almost that makes my, it one of the greatest games of all time. I, I think it is. Okay, and uh, if it, it's definitely the best superhero game ever made, I would and um, that. Uh, between it and Arkham City, yeah, and um, uh, what was I saying? Um, I, nah, I lost my goddamn train of thought. <laughs> it's all um, good. It was uh, wrap up anyway. We're already ten minutes yeah. over. No, it's uh, it, it was, what was I thinking about that? It was because I was I was thinking about that when I was seeing the 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 scores on that and. I don't know what the deal is, but like if oh if if Last of Us Two hadn't come out this year, Spider Man would have been my my runner up last week in the best PS4 game. Okay, thing for sure. All right, so that's it for Game Face episode two thirty six. Thanks to everyone who was on the stream asking great questions, giving us bits, subscribing via Twitch Prime. We love all you guys, and I really really hope that every single one of you guys, if you want a PS five, you get one tonight or tomorrow. Don't give up. Like I said, go to the deals page on Sifted, man. Even if people who don't use Sifted should just bookmark the deals page on Sifted and check it out every day because we have deals on there every day that are hot. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff on there right now telling you how to get a pre-order for PlayStation 5. Go check it out, and I wish you guys good luck. Uh, if you guys are listening to this show anywhere out on the interwebs, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Cup Podcasts, Google Podcasts, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, you can give us a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Um, if you like the show and you want to see it keep going, please do that. Folks watching on YouTube, hook us up with Twitch Prime. It's easy. If you already hooked it all up, it takes one second. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Denfire. You can find Matt at mkyle, K-E-I-L. And if you want notifications on everything that's happening in Sifted Land, when we're going live for streams, when our archives are posting, make sure you follow us 
at Sifted Games on Twitter. So on behalf of Matt and Jared, who we never heard from today, who's handling the TriCaster, I'm Shane Satterfield, and we'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. We'll be right back.